welcome to the Dojo Talk Podcast. Please remove them shoes before entry. Sam Master is here, and you still have not taken off your shoes. The champ is here! Alright, this is my shit right here. The champ is here! This shit is crazy. The evil genius Green Lantern is here! I'm your host, Serial Sensei. We are on episode number 148. As always, you can give this podcast a listen on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Play. Give us a look on social media at the Dojo Talk Podcast Facebook page, as well as the Dojo Talk Podcast Podcast, (laughs) Instagram page. Uh, Follow me on Twitter and Twitch. At Serial Sensei, and you can send questions to Dojo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. And once again, as always, I'm joined with my co host, Antaku. What's going on, man? I survived the mountain. Hey. <laughs> so, just for context uh, for the listeners, uh, the Antaku was out today, literally out in the mountains. So I want to know how how did this um is this like something y'all do like uh like a thing y'all do every now and again or uh yeah so um I I like to hike I think I've said that before on here like um again normally I just go like around here um and within like thirty forty minutes of my house or I stay I try to stay in Jersey just cause like I normally go by myself like. Nine times out of ten, I'll go by myself and, you know, I'll go and just hike or do a trail or something. Um, but when my coworkers found out I was hiking, they were like, oh, we want, like, I like to go outside, too. And I was like, okay, we can just make a thing out of it. So every once in a while, I invite them out with me when I go hiking. Um, I think the next, I think we set up one for, like, October today. So, and that one will be way less strenuous than this one. For uh for those who you know know the area, we uh, we went hiking at Bear Mountain, um, which is really freaking steep. I didn't realize I didn't know anything about Bear Mountain other than it was like a really good hiking spot, but like this was like a five mile trail, Ooh. like a thousand feet elevation, which is it, it wasn't too bad for me, but like that. I go hiking and I go running and stuff. Like my coworkers, like they they don't. Uh, so you you were the one like you were ready and they were. Uh, the the one was really good. My boss, um, who was with us, like she, she struggled a bit, but she was a trooper. Um, like to be honest with you, if this was like five months ago, that that, that trail would have probably murdered me. But I feel fine. So uh, been leveling up. Yeah. Also, I saw a snake. It was great. I was going to take it home with us, but I didn't have a bucket to put it in. <laughs> oh, Lord. I ran into a snake, actually, the last time I hiked. One of the last times I hiked. We ran into the snake right at the end of the trail. Yeah. They was hanging out at the end. You never see him, like, in the middle. Right. Like, he's, like, the final boss <laughs> before you, like, try to go back to your car. And they're always, like, asleep. It's really weird. Oh, man. Yeah. You were out, uh, in the mountains... Yesterday, I was, uh, all of my friends seem to be turning 30 around the same time, and it's weird, like, 
Last weekend, I was out in D.C. because my friend turned 30. Just yesterday, I had another friend who turned 30. So we were out uh, near the Baltimore area, getting some, uh, at a nice little hibachi restaurant. Uh, so that was the thing I did yesterday. And then, I think next week, I have another friend turning 30. I'll get Man, you're old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. <poor. laughs> it's a sore knee game. <laughs> coming through. Um... Yeah, everybody's turning 30. Um, so all my friends, y'all got to stop turning 30 because all this I, going out, man, this is a lot for me. Um, I mean, the alternative is not too great. That, that, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I just feel like I've been exceeding my social quota and it's taking a toll. I just want one weekend where I can sit out, sit down and chill. But, you know, I got to support my friends getting older, you know. All of us getting getting older, knees are starting to hurt. So we got we got to be there for each other. Exactly. This is the um, the 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 brittle bone society. Yeah, we we out here. But uh, no, it's been a, it's been a, other than that, you know, other than that and work, work has been trash. But other than that, life's been been pretty okay. You know, everybody's celebrating birthdays. Uh, a lot of good music lately, man. I've been abusing that little brother and Rhapsody album. They both pretty amazing. Go give those a listen, guys, if you haven't. Um, Astro Chain is out on the Switch. And those, if you follow me, please. Uh, I say please. I don't want to say. But um, I'm I'm pretty active on Twitch now. Like I have a nice little setup. I got myself a capture card, um, and I'm doing a playthrough of Astro Chain. So if you're a gamer and you want to see some Astro Chain uh, playthrough. Give me a follow on Twitch at Serial Sensei. Um, I'm trying to stream at least two times a week. I stream today. I might even stream again tonight after we record this because that, that game is awesome. Um, but I try to do at least two nights a week, most likely Tuesdays and Sundays, but or other random days out the week. But if you're interested in that, uh, give me a follow on Twitch. Uh, do doing playthroughs of Astro Chain. So life's been been pretty pretty cool. Been been entertained. Lots been going on. So can't complain too much. Uh, but before we get started, uh, um, some advice out there since like uh, college, uh, undergrad and graduate is starting up next week. Yep. Yeah. So guys and gals, um, I had a very frustrating experience this week where my, I, I guess my TA for two of my classes, um, she emailed me or uh, all of us and told us we needed. Two hundred and fifty something dollars worth of textbooks by Tuesday. You know, this coming Tuesday, or uh, by the time this is out, it's probably going to be Tuesday. Um, so, as opposed to paying two hundred and fifty dollars for three books that I'll probably open three times this whole semester. <laughs> I did the next best thing. Um, I went on WorldCat, which is how do I explain WorldCat? It's a it's a collection of like ten thousand plus libraries around the world, um, and if you type in like the name of a book, like what's the nearest book near me? Uh, Friday Black by Nana Kwame uh, J Brenya. You type that in, it will show you basically anywhere you can get the book. 
in the world. So if you're like me and you don't want to pay, you know, half your paycheck on books that you will never, ever want, ever actually read, you go to the World Cat, you find the nearest library near you that has it. It might not be a library you're a member of. And then you go there and then you scan every page in the book. <laughs> painstakingly with your iPhone <laughs> and constantly looking over your shoulder to make sure that the circulation desk is okay with you doing that because some are not the Newark public library did not seem to care so I was in luck but I sat there for three hours and scanned like 300 pages I'm uh you rather rather put in the labor than spend uh 150 on that one book and then when you try to turn it back in and sell it they give you like two dollars and fifty cents it's like the GameStop of, of books pretty much two two fucked up things the school wasn't selling the book oh no i had to buy i had to buy it directly from the um the american library association the ala and the thing is they're on backlog so the, not only is the book like do I have to order it for like $90 when you consider shipping? But there's not, there's a chance I won't get it until like November mm. when it gets reprinted or something. Oh, congrats y'all going back to school. College is a scam. Go it be is. all you can be. <laughs> but shout out to, shout go out make, to everybody. Go to the college to make rich friends. That's it. There you but go. Be like Dana. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> you need to go meet uh, the descendants of a Fratia family or somebody, uh, find some people with some money. Exactly. To see if you can make it. That's how you get rich. There you go. Someone just gives you money. <laughs> Shout outs to all the college kids, all the high school kids, school starting back up next week after Labor Day around here. So, yeah, shout outs to y'all, man. Uh, best, best of luck in your uh, academic endeavors. R.I.P. the morning traffic. R.P. the morning traffic and welcome to these cheese buses that are about to be all over here. But, speaking of shoutouts, shoutouts to the listeners, wherever you are in the world, Twitter folk, Tumblr folk, whatever app you use, uh, we appreciate you. Top cities for the week as far as listeners, Vista, California, uh, London out in the UK. Alright, at number three, I don't know what this is. I don't know if they listed me a coordinate. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm going I'm to read to you exactly what this says. 5.255.250.0 slash 24 Massachusetts. Um, I don't know what that is. Can you repeat that to me? 5.255.250.0 okay. slash 24. Like, like, like if it was a fraction, like 0 over 24. Is that? Hold up. That's an IP address. Oh. <laughs> hey, whoever you are in, Mass- in Massachusetts, appreciate you. <laughs> um, <laughs> number four is San Francisco, California, and number five is Dublin, Ohio. So, shout outs to you guys. Uh, no, no offense to, to Ohio, but I was really hoping it was just Dublin. Mm. <laughs> nah, they, they didn't. Uh, they they didn't make it. 
But, but uh, don't talk about Patty Hulahan and for a week and y'all y'all don't show up. Right. That's that's yeah. Look at Cairo Egypt dropped all the way down to thirty one. I mean, was there a one card last week? Probably. I don't think so. I don't think so. There, there's gonna be two a week soon, so I, I, it surprised me if there was one I just forgot about it. They'll be back soon enough because one is doing that one hundredth card thing. They'll they'll be back. But appreciate you guys. Keep sharing the show. Share with friends, coworkers, family, all that good stuff. Uh, as far as today's episode, um, I feel like it's a, it's a pretty good amount to, to talk about. Um, I mean, we, something historic happens. Yeah, yeah. Oh boy, yeah. Um, I have not done my job as a podcast host. If you guys haven't already heard the champions here music playing at some point during like the <laughs> intro. <laughs> I'm squeezing that song in here. Y'all are gonna hear that all day. Oh, I can't wait to talk about that. But we'll, we'll get to that. But yes, history was made. Uh, so we'll be talking about UFC Chenzen. Uh, we'll be covering also a little bit of boxing. I uh, have Vasily Lomachenko and what was his name Luke Campbell. Yes. Yeah, we'll be covering that fight, which I watched uh, while I was at a barbershop, which is pretty fun. I almost killed my phone battery. But uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, and then, of course, you know, as always, we'll go through uh, all the news and notes for the week, which there is uh, there's some interesting news. One news story that I don't think is being talked about enough, but we'll get there when we get there. So, starting from the top with fight announcements, um, Darren Till will be moving up to middleweight. Um, he will be facing Kelvin Gastelum at UFC 244. Uh, what were your thoughts when you first saw this headline? Um, can you repeat that? My my mind blanks. Oh, <laughs> Darren Till moving up to middleweight. Oh, yeah, yeah. My my first thought was, wow. Why the fuck did they choose Kelvin Gaffney? <laughs> Because, like, from, you know, just off the top of my head, Darren Till is not the type of dude who's ever giving Kelvin Gastelum problems. Like, it's always been, like, big, like, like actually tall, big, taller wrestlers. And then Israel Adesanya, who... I, I'm going to go ahead and... And you know, wager that he's a way better, deeper striker than uh than Darren Till. So, <clears throat> like, unless Till just like, unless the 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 you know him not cutting the extra fifteen pounds is going to allow him to actually like develop in the next few months. Like, I I. And maybe even like give him a little bit extra power. I don't see this going well for him. I, I'm like, you, you figured they'd want him safe, or not safe, but like they, they'd soft walk him to middleweight, right? Yeah, because boys, it, it's anything but a tune-up. Um, they threw him, and I, I don't know. Maybe he might have asked for it. Maybe he didn't want an easy. 
That, um, I'm assuming it was something along those lines where we want somebody who will put us in instant title contention, or why even risk going up the extra 15 pounds? Probably. But at the same time, we could have found someone right. a little easier than <laughs> Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah. You could have gave him, like, uh, probably like somebody else who would be, like, a, a tough fight, but, like, a winnable... Like a like a Brad Tavares kind of guy maybe. Hell, I would like Jacare. Like not not that he's like, you know, an easy fight, but like stylistically, I think he matches up way better with Jacare than he does with friggin' Kelvin Gastelum. Yeah, this this gonna be a. When I first saw it, I was like, "Ooh, Gastelum gonna take. He's gonna rip that man's head off." And I still kind of feel that way, but. I think the more I sat on, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try not to rush the judgment too much because I don't know how much that weight cut was taking out of him. So I'm going to kind of give him a small benefit of the doubt, I guess. I'm still not picking him to win, but (laughs) I'm going to give him a small, like, you know what, let me not rush to too much judgment. Let me just kind of see. Maybe he's got something else. Maybe he does. I don't know. But... That'll be a thing that's going down at UFC 244. Uh, moving on at UFC Sao Paulo, uh, Bobby Green has returned from retirement because we all know uh, MMA fighters in retirement isn't an actual thing. I'm pretty sure Bobby Green has retired like six different times. Yeah, yeah, we all know. Retirements are it's a buzzword at this point. Retirement just means I'm just going to chill out for a little bit, and then when I heal back up and I'm ready to jump back in, I'll be back. But Bobby Green is back. Uh, he will be facing off against Francisco Trinaldo. I actually do like that matchup. So that'll be going down. And also on the same card at UFC Sao Paulo, we'll have James Krause versus Sergio Marais. Um, at UFC Boston, Sean Brady, who is the former CFFC welterweight champ, will be facing off against Court McGee. At UFC Singapore, we got a pretty uh, decent amount of the fights uh, matched up. Michael Johnson. I guess he finally had enough of this little featherweight experiment. Uh, he will be returning back to lightweight against Stevie Ray. Um, also on the same card at UFC Singapore, we will have Brad Tavares versus Ian Heinish, Maurice Green versus Sergey Pavlich, and Cyril Gain versus Don- Dontel Mays. I'm saying that correct. Um, so yeah, look, looking forward to seeing Johnson back at, at lightweight. Uh, Seeing how that turns out. He's just had a really interesting... If that's even a word to describe. His career has just... It's, I don't really know how to describe Michael Johnson's career. It's, it's the man really, has beat two of the current top three lightweights on the planet. Right. But then as he's well also, as a, a third top tenor in Edson Barbosa. But he also lost to Darren Elkins and Reza Madadi. Right, like, his his career is so all over the place, man. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for him, man. I hope his return to lightweight goes well. But Stevie Ray, that's a solid matchup. I, I like that matchup. That's a, a fight that I think will be tough, but it's a winnable fight for him. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that fight goes. Um, so that'll all be going down at UFC Singapore, at UFC Moscow. Uh, that, ah, God, I, I did not spell this right. <laughs> I definitely left out like three letters. Is it Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov? I definitely didn't spell all this. Uh, Abu Bakar. Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. Um, you got me 
It's like I started to spell it, and then, like, after the yeah. Abu-ba, I, like, gave up. Abubakar. Okay. <laughs> I mean, his, his his full name is Abubakar Magomedovich uh, Nurmagomedov, but Abubakar. There we go. That'll work. He is the cousin of Habib. Uh, he will be squaring off against David Zawada at UFC Moscow. Is he, like, um, an actual cousin, or is he, like, you know, just one of those kids who was, like, hanging around the family, and they just, like, yeah, gave his last name? I feel like... This was mentioned. I feel like I, I could be wrong, but I feel like it was mentioned before that he's not like an actual cousin, but like a real. Or was that the other Nurmagomedov? Oh yeah, there are. Two. There's like three or four other ones. Isn't, there, isn't it? He's not the one from PFL, right? When in there one? Oh yes. Oh, that's him. I yeah. think it was him. That he's like not an actual. Well, you know, whatever, whatever. For the sake of this podcast, he's a cousin. <laughs> I mean, djpen.com is calling him Khabib's cousin. Everybody's calling him Khabib's cousin. There you go. Whatever. Not <laughs> actual cousin. Which was the fake cousin? Fake cousin. One of them isn't. I can't remember. But either who. He'll be uh, squaring off against David Zawada at UFC Moscow. At UFC Washington, D.C. Um, hmm. Carlos Condit versus Mickey Gall. Why? Like, on like so many different levels. Why? Like, is is this them trying to get Carlos Condit to win? Is this them trying to build I, Mickey Gall's name off of Carlos Condit? Is this I, them just trying to pop a number? Like, I, I think it's both. I think this is either. Alright, alright. I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way from their like vantage point to defend this fight. I think. You can either say they're going to look at this as a win-win matchup. If Condit wins, you, you gave him a fight that I, I do think is winnable, but just Condit has not been on a good streak lately. So, like, I just, I don't really feel, I feel like he can win this, but I just, I don't feel comfortable about this fight at all. But if Condit wins, I'm assume, I would hope that he doesn't come back to fight again. Like, he calls it a career, he goes out on a W, we're all happy. Everybody loves Carlos Condit, and life will be okay. If he loses, Mickey Gall gets another... Honestly, I can't say another because he lost to Sanchez. He gets, I guess, like that veteran name on his record. And we can... Well, I'm going to say we, but the UFC will, you know, further push him along, keep slowly building him up. Like, oh, he, he, beat, a, he beat a savvy veteran, somebody who was an interim champ, somebody who was always... You know, once once at the top of the division, so on and so forth. It, it puts another notch under Mickey's belt, I guess. But I, ugh, this fight may be really uncomfortable. But I, the, the MMA gods have not been kind to, to Condit. I'm going to send one last prayer for him to win this fight. And hope, just hope that it happens. But, yeah, I'm not comfortable about that one. But Washington, D.C., That'll be a thing. Another fight that, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I'm actually really excited to see this. UFC Mexico City making his UFC debut after fighting on every promotion and just being just out here, nose to the ground. Man is knocked out at Wardo Dantes. He beat uh, Ali uh, Bagatinov, however you say his last name. 
Dude's just been out here, and he is finally in the UFC. Tyson Nam versus Sergio Pettis at UFC Mexico City. Uh, Tyson Nam is filling in, I think it was Alex Perez who got injured. I know it's a short notice fight. Yeah. But, um, was it Moreno? I can't remember. Was it Moreno? I can't remember. He's filling in for somebody on like a month's notice. And <laughs> I got like unreasonably excited when I saw this fight. Because, like, Tyson Nam was just a name that I did not think I was going to see ever in, like, a UFC fight. Like, I just... Uh, no, it wasn't. My bad. Um, but, I'm sorry, continue. You know, obviously, yeah, I was just assuming that Nam would just kind of continue to be that guy who just kind of floated out and just kind of any, whatever promotion, he could just kind of get fights in and just kind of just stick around that way. Did not think I was ever going to see Nam on a UFC card. And after, like... Like twenty eight fights or something like that. Twenty, twenty two yeah. fights. That Dante's knockout was seven years ago, I think. I still remember that. <laughs> it was so wild when that knockout happened because it was such a big deal. But I felt like it wasn't like. I don't know. I mean, there was like a whole bidding war for him after that. Like he went to court so that he didn't have to sign with Bellator. And for some reason, he didn't end up in the UFC. He signed with World Series of Fighting. Yeah, like, he's fought some big names. And he's, you know, he's, he's fought Dantes. He fought, um, I think he fought Torres. He, did he fight Marais? He fought, yeah, he, his first fight yeah. in the promotion was against Marais. Right, uh, yeah, like. He got knocked out in the first round. Yeah, so he's fought some big names. I'm happy to see him in the UFC. I'm, I'm happy. Happy to see Tyson in the UFC. So I'm looking forward to that scrap. Um, at UFC Tampa, we'll have Luis Pena versus Matt Frivola. At UFC 244, we will have Laman Good versus Chance Rencounter. And at UFC Copenhagen, uh, we'll have Jack Shore, who is the former Cage Warriors Bantamweight Champion. Uh, he will be fighting, if I don't butcher this name, Nolan, spelled N-O-H-E-L-I-N, Noelin uh, Hernandez, uh, at UFC Copenhagen. And then... Fight announcements for Bellator. Uh, headlining Bellator 223 will be John Salter versus Costello Van Stenis. Um And at Bellator 231, a fight that I'm sure none of us asked for, but we're going to get it. Uh, Frank Mir and Roy Nelson will be rematching. Oh my God. So. Like that, like, the only way I can imagine this being any worse... Is if they tried to book like Crow Cop versus Frank Beer again. I mean, to be honest, had Crow Cop's health, you know, been a little better, they probably would have done yeah, it. Yeah, we would have got it. <laughs> that would have been a thing. That would have been. Oh God, that was a miserable fight to watch. Miserable. That actually, that's on on like one of my worst all time fights was like I remember that fight sticking out. Like boy, I was angry watching that fight. To the point where I was rooting for Frank Mir to win. I was rooting for anybody to win at that point. And I, I hated Frank Mir back when that fight happened. And I didn't care at that point who won. Because I was like, somebody just finished something. I, I gotta go home. <laughs> this is terrible. It's crazy how hot and cold Bellator runs. Like, they just put on a good show that was like a good show that was against all odds. Looking at it on paper. Because it had every chance of just like falling apart. Right, and it was like one of the most violent cards we got this year. Right, but like their next card is really good. You know, Bader Congo heavyweight title fight, but like 
the 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 opening round of the featherweight tournament, uh, Grand Prix, you know, Pat Cummins, uh, not sorry, Pat Cummins, uh, Pat Curran, Daniel Strauss, Derek Campos, Adam Borix, Taiwan Claxton, Emmanuel Sanchez. Um, you know, they're all on the card. Um, then the one after that is the freaking Ireland card with Gallagher. But the one after that is Pitbull Archuleta, which is one of the best fights Bellator could possibly put on right now. Uh, and then you got Korskov Warkin, and then that Italy card, and then the Frank Mirror Nelson 2 fight. And then you got Rory Lima. Like, yeah. You almost want to be like, pick a freaking stance and stick with it. You know what I mean? I mean, if there's one thing, if you're a heavyweight out there, boy, Bellator is just going to love you. They just have this infatuation, this obsession with men who weigh over 220 pounds. I mean, <laughs> apparently they draw the ratings, but only if you were, like, a popular fighter 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but that'll be a thing. And real quick, because I just saw this pop up, got to show LFA some love. Um, Tyler Diamond will be facing uh, Rafael Barboza for their vacant featherweight champ at LFA 79. Got to show LFA some love. Um, but... That's all I got for uh, fight announcements. Um, so, I have one piece of news. Um, well, you know what? Do we... Alright, so before we started recording, we discussed two pieces of news. One of which I don't care to mention at all, but if you want to bring it up, I'll let you have at it. Um, we can save the big fish for after this one. Um, oh. Uh... Everybody's favorite um, mess of a human being, BJ Penn. Back in the news for all the wrong reasons. Though, even when his, like, I, I don't think him getting a fight announced is a good reason to be in the news anyway, since he shouldn't be fighting. But um, he got in a fight at a club, he landed some ground and pound, proceeded to go outside and get knocked out by some fat shirtless dude. Which, I'm pretty sure is the first time I've ever seen BJ Penn out cold. Yeah. And it's crazy, because all of the times he's lost, he's never been, like, flatlined. Oh, so. Clay Guida, you're on notice. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. It took a dude outside of the UFC to flatline BJ. Like, at what... uh, Like, we, we can keep... Talking about um, BJ, ba- uh, like th- there's no one in BJ Penn's life to basically be like, dude, you have to, you know, get it together. Like, I just kind of think that's just the person BJ Penn is, and oh, probably yeah, has yeah. always been. Yeah, I was gonna say at this point, I don't even know if I can question the people in his life at this point. It just it, it, it seems this is him. Yeah, this it, is just this is a dude who. From everything I've heard about BJ Penn, he has just kind of always been a dick. Like, the whole reason he got started in, like, jujitsu was because his parents, you know, like, he was acting up as a kid, like, and they had to send him away, and it just turned out that, you know, he was good at jujitsu. So he, he was, tra- so they sent him to go train that. So, yeah. This the story of this won't end well at all. I've I've made a vow to myself that 
I'm not going to go out of my way to bring up BJ on this podcast anymore unless the headline is about him getting help of some kind. I'm not doing fight announcements. If he goes to, goes to rematch that fat dude and gets knocked out again, I'm not talking about it. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of... So when he shows up at the fat dude's job, like down at the like down at the little like uh, docks or whatever the dude does, and he has like a machete, like we're not going to talk about that? No. No. <laughs> I can't. Like, BJ to me, is he's almost in the Connor boat now. It's like, dude, I just don't even want to talk about you anymore. Like, But his is almost worse. Because at least with Connor, like, if Connor has another fight announcement, I'm all for it. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to talk about that. I don't want to see another BJ fight announcement. I don't want to see BJ in any headlines unless he's getting help or asking for help. Something that has something to do with getting assistance. Because I, I just... The best thing for BJ Penn to do is to leave Hawaii and never go back. Because I feel like that's just an environment that's just going to continue to nurture, not nurture, um, it's going to continue to enable him. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully the man gets help. That's, at this point, that's, that's, that's all I got. <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Um, um, we don't have to stick on this long. Anthony Rumble Johnson's talking about coming back to uh, MMA in 2020 at heavyweight. Ironically, he announced this not too long after he reached a settlement on that, uh, I forgot, was that, was it a domestic violence case or was it? Oh, it, it was, um, hold on, let me pull it up. I want to... It was some sort of domestic dispute. Uh, Wow. Domestic case. Uh, He reaches a plea deal in domestic battery. That's what it was. There we go. So, yeah, not too long after he reached a plea deal, he announced (laughs) that he's trying to come back and fight again. I don't really have anything else to say. Just wanted to throw it out there. I think that tells you a lot about the environment that is MMA, or the UFC at least. Yeah, he'll be, he'll be back. That just means he'll be back. Mm-hmm. Boy, Bellator is going to have... Oh, boy. They're going to throw a huge contract at him, I bet you. But I, I, I think he's still on UFC contract. Alrighty. Well, I don't know. We'll We'll see. I don't really want to spend a lot of time on it, but just throwing it out there, that's the thing. The thing that'll be happening. Now on to the... I'm going to call this the big news, but it's not big in terms of... It's not really getting a lot of coverage, um, in which I could understand why. Uh, certain companies, certain uh, people who have certain interests probably wouldn't really want to talk about the story. But uh, I don't know if you guys remember, but back in what was about 2000, like 14, 15, somewhere around that time, um, a little, little 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 clash action lawsuit that was starting to form. Uh, this involved um, fighters such as Kung Lee, well the Nate Quarry, John Fitch, and a few others who were trying to get this little antitrust uh, lawsuit going. Uh, so that's uh, gaining some steam now. It's been a couple years, 
But um, we're starting to hear about this again. And if you haven't really seen the story, it's because, of course, the UFC is probably not really going to talk about it. Um, but it's out there. It's, it's definitely a thing again. So I'm going to read just a quick uh, excerpt. Uh, I'm reading this from MMA Junkie, written by Stephen Morocco. Sorry for butchering your name. Uh, I'm just going to read this quick paragraph. It kind of sums up kind of what this uh, is about. So, citing internal UFC documents and experts, the plaintiff's attorney argues the promotion, promotion being the UFC, engaged in anti-competitive conduct that created a... They meant to say monopoly? Monopoly. Okay, that's a word. Okay, I'm dumb. I'm sorry. (laughs) Created a monopsony, uh, a market structure where a single buyer substantially controls the market as the major purchaser of goods and services and wound up shorting fighters hundreds of millions over a seven-year period. And that period would be from 2010 to 2017. Uh, The promotion's defense attorneys deny such a scheme and cite cite rising payouts over the same time frame. So that's kind of a gist of kind of what the article is about. And if you you really don't understand, because I know a lot of this is, a lot of these kind of lawsuits, there's a lot of jargon that gets thrown around, and, you know, I get it. A lot of us don't understand it. Some of it I don't even understand. But, basically, the, the one of the key things I took away, and I, I, I read this specific article because I like how they broke it down. So, revenue share is a pretty big thing, pretty much across all sports. Um, revenue share meaning how much how much are the employees of said company being paid in relation to like the total amount of revenue the company makes? So for like example, um, I don't know how much the NFL and the NBA make per year, but their revenue share for players, I want to say hovers close to 50%. It's 50% um, for the, um, the NBA. It's somewhere like 40 to 45. Five percent for the NFL. For the NFL. Well, yeah, which sounds about right because NFL players don't, compared to the NBA, don't make a lot of money. But even still, so what we'll just say, just just for the sake to make the numbers easy, most I would I would probably say most other major sports probably are around forty to fifty, somewhere between that for revenue share. Mm-hmm. UFC, on the other hand, um, hmm. <laughs> it's uh it's not uh not as high. And the thing about these numbers is that the I'll, if you look at the article and I'll, I'll try to remember to post this in the notes. These are estimates. And even if these estimates are off by 5%, even if they're off by 10%, these are these these numbers are not good at all. So to kind of drive the point home, I'm going to try to blow up this picture so I can look at it. Um, so this is a picture posted by a gentleman named John S. Nash or on Twitter. He is at Hey Not The Face. He's a writer for Bloody Elbow. Yeah. So he posted uh, a graphic that shows the wage info from 2001 up until 2020, which obviously are estimates because 2020 hasn't happened yet. Um, basically showing the projections of 
what the companies made in total revenue being the UFC compared to what the fighters were paid out. Um, if, if you look at this graph, these numbers are like wild. And just to kind of give an idea, um, so the payout, estimate payout, I'll go back to 2018, uh, estimate payout to fighters total was a hundred and sixty million dollars which would equal roundabout to a 20% payout of what the UFC made in total and starting from 2001 well all right this actually starts in 2012 the part I'm reading so in 2012 uh, it looks like fighters received 16% in 2013 it was 18% in 2014 back to 16 and 2015 it was 19 percent and then it looks like from 2016 up until up until now and estimated to be in 2020 it'll still be at about 20 percent um and i know that's a lot of numbers but if you look at the graph it makes sense in, in a nutshell these guys <laughs> these fighters are not being paid like it's it's not good like, compared to other sports, they are not making anywhere near the amount in terms of, like, a percentage share as much as an NFL player would or as much as um, an NBA player would. And to make matters worse, because one could argue, like, oh, well, you know, obviously the NFL and the NBA probably make a lot more money than... Uh, the UFC, so of course they're, you know, players, you know, whatever, employees get more. Even if you compare the UFC to what Bellator and Strikeforce did around to a similar time period, it still looks terrible. Um, so this part of the article uh, says, to illustrate the disparity between UFC fighters and their counterparts, the plaintiff's attorneys compared revenue-sharing figures with other MMA promotions, including the now-defunct Strikeforce, which was acquired by the UFC parent Zufa in 2011, Bellator, and also World Series of Fighting. Monday's hearing revealed that Strikeforce shared 63% of its revenue with fighters, while Bellator shared 44.7% between 2010 and 2017. Um, I don't know if I can blow up this chart. Uh, World Series of Fighting. I can't read this. I don't know percentages. I'm done. <laughs> but either it would, way it would not surprise you a world series of fighting was like 99% right <laughs> e either way like that compared to the UFC basically strike forces percentage would be like the NBA and Bellator's would be like the NFL and the UFC would be way down at the bottom like even Bellator's 44 44.7, you would have to double the UFC's estimated payout. And it still wouldn't really equal that. You'd be close. You'd still be off by about 4%, give or take. It's not good. Like, these guys are clearly, if these numbers are even halfway accurate, like I said, even if it's off by 5 or 10%, clearly, like, these fighters are not being paid anywhere near the amount they probably should be making that would be like a fair amount um to pay these fighters for what they do like yeah. You, you yeah 
the UFC is going to hit a billion dollars in revenue one of these years. Like, it's coming. It's going to happen. Um, if it doesn't already happen this year, it might be. It's probably going to happen like 2021 or something. Like, now's the time, guys. If you want to do something about it, you want to get paid what you think you're worth. You you don't want top ten fighters freaking having the couch surf so they can you know afford to trade or train freaking yeah not uh not not good and another interesting tidbit that isn't related to this but I, I found interesting that this was kind of uncovered too because also a lot of what this case is about is you know kind of the ufc you know placing a stranglehold on the market so it's almost like you not that you're forced to stay there but like there's no if you if you buy if you continually buy out your competition like there are rules against that to a certain extent if the business if your business practices are seen as um underhanded or illegal, which I think is what is basically coming down to in this case. So, yeah. And speaking of uh, buying out competition, so this is a tidbit um, that was released um, during this lawsuit. Another interesting thing about this lawsuit is like a lot of this, a lot of this information about like UFC like financials, a lot of stuff like we didn't know is. This lawsuit, if it is able to continue, will get brought to the light. Um, so this headline, um, I'm reading this from Bloody Elbow. Uh, I cannot pronounce this author's name. Shaquille Majuri. Hopefully I said that correct. Um, so this is a new document that was brought to the light um, while this whole case was going on. So back when Zufa uh, purchased Pride, uh, the headline of the article, Zufa paid Pride CEO... Uh, Nobuyuki Sakabara, $10 million for a seven-year non-compete clause. Mm. It says, according to legal documents uh, highlighted by Jonathan of Kowloon on Twitter, Zufa paid $10 million to Pride CEO Nobuyuki Sakabara. This occurred during Zufa's acquisition of Pride. In return for the eight-figure sum, Sakabara was to agree to a seven-year non-compete clause. So, to me, when I read that, that kind of lends to this idea of the UFC kind of putting the stranglehold on the market. Because now it's like, I'm going to buy you out. I'm going to give you this money. And, like, for seven years, you, you got to chill. Like, <laughs> you can't, you know... No promotions from you. You can't, like, try to rival me. Like, you take this money and just kind of go sit down for a while. Yeah. Um, so, just an, another tidbit from Nash. Who was there? Um, him and Paul Gift were in attendance for the, uh, the proceedings. Um, and this is just his take on it. Um... Also interesting to note, the judge accepted the UFC as the dominant firm and that their intent was to control all the top fighters with exclusionary contracts. That was a given for him. What he needed to know was if Singer's model uh, sufficiently demonstrated this. 
So Singer, if I'm remembering correctly, is the attorney or the the expert on the um, the plaintiff side, the the side of the fighters. So we'll see. Yeah. It, it sounds like it was a good week for uh, the plaintiff, if nothing else. Yeah, and a, a lot of these cases, I feel like, don't really make it this far. Um. I don't know, like, if they're able to kind of keep pushing this, you might, I don't know, maybe we'll see, like, a major change happen. Don't know. You know still got to kind of wait for this whole thing to play out, but. Holy fucking crap. I'm sorry. I have not I have a bit more fight announcements. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> so did we forget a big one? No, I, 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 oh, my God. So, Billy Joe Saunders, disgraced middleweight champion former champion i don't even know if he's a, i don't even know if he has a bell anymore um dude who won a canelo banned from the sport for failing a drug test and then failed a drug test <laughs> um, he's going to be making his return to boxing under Hedy, under eddie hearn um at the staples center in la on november 9th but he won't be in the main event he'll be on the undercard you want to know what's going to be in the main event uh, do you remember the, the classic YouTube scrap between Sai or Kasai and Logan Paul? Stop. They're getting a rematch. <laughs> and it's going to be a pro fight. It's going to be promoted by Eddie Hearn. What? And it's supposed to also feature Devin Haney. Oh, my God. Well, yep. Welcome yeah, to is... Boxing in 2019. <laughs> this is a real thing. <laughs> Imagine being a pro boxer. Imagine being a former world champion. And you go on before the gaming YouTuber. Man. And and the I don't even know what Logan Paul does. The vlogger. Hey, man. But like we said the first time they fought... There's there's something to be uh something to learn here in terms of marketing and branding and uh, promoting yourself and they, they should be investing in a gaming YouTube channel. Yes. <laughs> well, not anymore, I guess, because those are dying. But maybe a Fortnite YouTube channel. You, I don't are. know, but there, there's something to be learned here. Lord, yeah. Uh, we'll probably talk about it. <laughs> I, 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 of course I'm watching it I watched the first one <laughs> yeah we talked about the first one so that'll be there but um now just to wrap up the lawsuit um I just want to tell you guys just just keep an eye out on it like you're you're not going to hear from it from the UFC mm. you know you're going to have to follow like certain journalists and so on and so forth um but just keep an eye out on that on that lawsuit um could get could get really interesting uh, depending on how that shakes out, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But that's all I have for news and notes. So guess we can go ahead and get on to some fisticuffs. Um, so we'll start off with some boxing. Uh, this went down uh, yesterday, actually. Uh, we're recording on Sunday evening, but this went down on Saturday. Uh, Vasily Lomachenko versus Luke Campbell. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll let you uh, head this one off. I honestly forgot this fight was a thing. 
until somebody reminded me like an hour before it started. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, real quick on the undercard, because um, he is the cousin of the lineal heavyweight champion. Huey Fury fought Alexander Povetkin. Looked like crap. Um, and basically lost what was a conditioning contest with a 40-year-old man. So, you know. Who was, who, admittedly, was probably on the juice, but who is it? You know? It's boxing. <laughs> so, um, just, just a little side note on, uh, from the undercard, but um, the main event, Vasily Lomachenko, Lou Campbell, two former Olympic gold medalists, um, I think they both won a gold medal in 2012 when the Olympics were in London. So um, they had that storyline going. Both dudes who were trained by their fathers. Um, you know, obviously Lomachenko's father is still his head coach. Unfortunately, Luke Campbell's father uh, passed away um, right before he actually fought for his first world title against Jorge Linares, which they brought up during the broadcast. Um, this is Lomachenko still fighting up at 135 pounds at lightweight. Still the undersized guy. It showed here Luke Campbell is a is a big man standing next to Vasily. Um, like he he looked like half a head taller than him. Like his shoulders were all the way up at by like Vasily's like um eyebrow ridge or whatever. Um, and he, he and but the the, the Heading into this fight was that Campbell was going to get his ass handed to him. Um, I think the over-under for the fight was like eight and a half rounds. And Campbell did, did well for himself. Um, he, won a, he won more than a couple rounds. Um, he, he kept Vasily honest. Uh, he, he, he hurt him a couple times in the fight. I know Vasily after the fact said that he did not in fact hurt him, but it seemed pretty obvious that he did tag him hard a couple times. And got him to back off, but um, still, when Lomachenko gets on the inside, like he he is just masterful. Like he might be the best body puncher in boxing right now. Um, he hurt um, <clears throat> Campbell with a body shot in the I want to say it was like the eleventh round. That, that was pretty late. Pretty late in the fight. Yeah, that um, that that. Opened up a headshot that would eventually put Campbell down. Um, just like real, like when he gets inside, like he is really slick at just making you swing, and then count like, and while you're swinging, just countering you really tight with that left hand. Um, it, it was a really, it was a really great fight. If you guys haven't seen it, please go watch it. It's really good. Um, just another great win for Lomachenko. Adds. His third lightweight title to you know uh, his his resume. He's looking to unify. He wants to fight the winner of Richard Comey versus Teofimo Lopez, who are fighting on uh, December fourteenth, and that's that's a really good fun fight. Um, so yep, some stuff to look forward to. Um, Bob Heyman after the, not Bob Bob Heyman Bob Arum after the fact got on the mic and said he wanted Lomachenko wanted to fight the best guys from featherweight. Super featherweight and lightweight. That includes people like Gervonta Davis, um, Miguel Burchell, who is another Bob Arum fighter, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Leo Santa Cruz, uh, a rematch potentially with Gary Russell Jr. or whichever Gary Russell he turns out to be. I don't actually remember because they're 
All all his brothers are named Gary Russell. <laughs> um, who else? Who else? Uh, I I guess the obviously the winner of Lopez and Comey. Which is, I don't actually know if that's how you pronounce his name. No, I've like it's been a while since I've heard somebody say it. Mikey Garcia, if he ever comes back to lightweight, um, and Oscar Valdez. So those are all good fights. Problem is, more than half of those guys are fighting for PBC. So, or or for Mayweather. So, who knows? Who knows? You know? Yeah. I uh I was watching this while I was in a barbershop. Holding on to dear life on my phone battery <laughs> on ESPN Plus, but um, no, nah, this is uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this fight. Um, I thought, in, and I, I can't give a round by round breakdown, just kind of overall thoughts, but I thought in like the first probably about quarter of the fight that like I thought Campbell did a really good job of just you know obviously the taller. Uh, I forgot the reach advantage. He had like was like a five inch reach advantage. Sounded like that. Yeah, he had a pretty. I thought he was doing a pretty decent job of like, kind of playing the outside, not really getting touched up too much. Um, was landing some some pretty good shots. Um, you know, he was really holding his own for like the first quarter. Like a lot of those earlier rounds were were pretty close. Um, I think the difference that I noticed was like you said once. Campbell had moments where he was able to keep Lomachenko on the outside, land good shots, land some decent body shots. But, like, when Lomachenko did get inside, he just, the man just gets busy. Like, he'll just hit you two or three times. And then he'll just, like, take a weird angle. And you're swinging. And either he's not there or, like, it's just a really weird angle. Next thing you know, you're getting tagged, like, two more times. And it's like a really, I'd imagine, a really frustrating thing to just kind of have to deal with. This guy just constantly just head movement and angles just to really get into the inside. Mm -hmm. um, and then another thing I noticed was it seemed like every time Campbell had like a moment, Lomachenko was like right back at him with his own kind of like, all right, you got me. I got you now. Like, I'm not going to let you get momentum and run away with this fight. Right. Like, he, he was always, he was with him every step of the way. He, he never let, every, every time Campbell got any kind of steam, like, he he was able to, to, to simmer it down. And obviously he had, um, yeah, he had a, a couple of flurries where he was landing some really good uh, body shots. He dropped um, Campbell in, like, the 11th or whatever round that was in, the, like, the latter half of the fight. Um no nah, man, I thought Lomachenko just looked really good, but like Campbell, like you said, a really good job of really holding his own. Like this fight was not a, it wasn't a wash. It was a very competitive fight. I thought pretty much all throughout. Just, I think towards the second half, Loma just kind of started to pick up more steam. Mm. Um, like I said, was able to work the the body a lot more. Um, I feel like if Campbell maybe earlier in the fight would have like maybe went to the body more i feel like it could have helped him out a little bit it's like a lot of loma's game is it's a lot of movement and footwork and like you just you gotta have a way unless you got like some one hit knockout power you just gotta find a way to slow a guy like that down yeah but obviously easier said than done because like i said lomachenko just his footwork and just the way he moves he is not an easy guy to really just get a hold of and just kind of have your way with like you're gonna have to work for it 
<laughs> you you're gonna have to work for it to do some some damage on them. But um, nah, it was a, it was an awesome fight, man. It was it was really it was really good. I, I would co-sign if you guys didn't get a chance to watch it. Definitely go back and watch it, man. It it was a really entertaining fight. Um, before before we get off the fight, I'll I'll ask you this because you would probably know more than I. Um. So I was watching this fight on YouTube, and you know, you should never scroll through the comment section, but I'm a glutton for punishment, so you know where I'll go to the comment section. Okay, <laughs> so, okay. I was seeing some, some, some Lomachenko criticism, um, and I wanted to know if you thought any of these were, were fair, as far as that, I think people were saying that, I guess like he kind of gets... There are certain passes, I guess, he gets that other top fighters don't get in terms of him not, I guess, like, not being a finisher so much. Like, he's not out here, like, flatlining dudes all the time. Um, and also, I guess that maybe the last, I guess, like, two to three of his fights haven't been, I don't say haven't been impressive, but I, I guess earlier... People were just so used to seeing him, like, dude was, like, in the Matrix when he fought. Like, we, right. we've seen him, like, clown dudes. Like, straight up just make people look like they didn't even belong next to him. And maybe his last couple fights haven't been like that. I would just maybe attribute it to he's probably fighting tougher competition. But then again, I'm not as super knowledgeable as everybody, everybody who he fights, so I, I couldn't really tell you. I mean, like... In like his last five fights, and one one of them's a little unfair because he fought Guillermo Rigondeau, who is forty something years old and like half his size. Um, he's finished three of his opponents. Um, I if you, if people want to be critical of like Vasily's strength of schedule when it comes to like pound for pound, I, like I'm I'm fine with that. Like there is no guy on his re resume who I'm like oh. He like beating that guy made you the top fighter in the planet, but then I look at like Terence Crawford's resume, or even like um, Errol Spence's resume, and it's just like th th that guy doesn't exist on their, rec you know their rec their resume either. It's like boxing's in this weird state where they just can't make the big fights. Um, as for like you know him getting a pass for not finishing up weight classes, it's just like, well, finishing like recent like like I said, he's fighting up a weight class right now. Uh, probably from where he should be. Like I think he's like a natural one thirty or one twenty eight pounder or whatever. Um, like he, like he he he's kind of tallish, like he's five seven, but he's not particularly big. And it's like the the I think um, the power from a lot of these guys is starting to catch up. Or not maybe not catch up, but like it, it's definitely different. You know what I mean? Right. And we're coming off an era where the pound for pound best fighter on the planet was a defensive like master who basically barely ever got hurt. And I think that sets up like a a bit of a um like a, a false uh, goal for what the best fighter on the planet should be. Right. Like, 
Yeah, you're probably not gonna. Yeah, you're not gonna see another Floyd. You're not gonna see another. Man, maybe we, maybe we will, but like, at the same time, there's more than one way to win a fight. All right. And Lomachenko is not a back foot um, counter puncher. He is very much. He is very much a come forward, hit you with a thousand punches, and break you down over the course of a fight type of guy. All right, yeah. Honestly, in most of the fights I've seen him, he doesn't come across as, like, I'm trying to get you out in the first round. It's more so, like, might take one or two rounds to kind of feel this out, and then just round by round, methodically, I'm just going to kind of, I'm just going to break you down methodically. Right. And then if I get an opening to, to get you out of here, then I'll take it. Right. But I'm not going to force the issue. Exactly. So, it, it, it's a weird, it, it's weird, like, there, there is, there are, there's like this weird chasm between like people who like Loma, like who like Lomachenko, and who don't because like the people on the one end are like Lomachenko's like the greatest fighter of all time, which he's not. Um, he's an incredible fighter, um, and you know by the time he's done, he's probably going to be considered one of the greatest fighters of all time. But at the other end. It's like he's completely overrated, and like they're just waiting on the day he gets like you know, exposed. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the day he finally loses, they'll be like, ah, oh, I told you this whole time he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so. Yeah. Plus, he has that loss on his resume, which people don't, don't, do not like for whatever reason. Boxing is weird like that. It didn't used to be like that. That's the thing. Until Mr. You-Know-Who came through. Yeah. It's... <laughs> this is going to be a whole other side tangent that I don't really want to get into. But, like, I don't... I'm not, like... I wasn't really a Floyd fan. But I think guys like... Guys like Floyd... Guys like... LeBron... Uh, not LeBron. Uh, Jordan... I would have said guys like Tiger, but he had a meltdown eventually. Well, guys like Tiger, when he was, like, on his stride, you see people do things that are, like, almost, like, inhuman, but they make it look easy, so it's like we kind of, like, we normalize it. Right. Like, we think that that should be... The standard. The standard. It's like, nobody's... <laughs> the chance of somebody ever... What was Floyd? 40... What was record? 50 and all? Uh, yeah. For, for, yeah. You're, you're probably never going to see that again. I mean, we already have. Did you not know? Oh, boy. Who's 50 and no one knocked out 49 janitor? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Wanhang Manayuthan from Thailand. He is currently 53 and 0. All right, excluding him. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the true goat. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, like, these guys who go on these, like, incredible runs, like, you can't make that the standard because that's that's what sets them apart from everybody else. Like, right. that's what put them in that class of their own. So you can't, you can't hold any, no, nobody's probably going to catch that. Like, on a random NBA side tangent of, I was listening to a podcast earlier, and they were mentioning uh, Chris Paul when he moved into, like, 
he, I think he's in like he's in top five or I know he's in like top ten like all time um, assist leaders. And when they interviewed about it, uh, he had asked the person like, "Oh, who's number one?" And he was like, "Oh, it's John Stockton." He was like, "Well, how many does he have?" And the number was something crazy, like a number that he was he will he'll never catch. And it's like that's what makes those guys so special is that they're kind of in that class of their own. So you can't you can't put other people and expect them to kind of like make that the norm. That's that's not normal. That's what makes these these fighters special. So you can't really. You gotta temper your, you gotta lower your expectations a little bit. I guess is all I'm trying to say. But I just wanted to throw it out there because I, I saw some people uh, saying that in the comments. I thought it was interesting. But anywho, uh, Sid Lomachenko uh, defeated Luke Campbell, and it was an awesome fight. So if you have not seen it, definitely go back and give that a watch. So let's uh, let's move on to some some greatness. Let's move on to uh, some history. Some history. Um, this is one of the, <laughs> this card gave me some of the best feel good moments I've had in a long time. Um, the main event and co main event were yeah so satisfying. Yeah, and well, I'll get to the co main because boy did I not see that coming. Um, <laughs> And when I was watching it, I was like, Whoa, like, wow, I'm really, I'm watching this right now. But, um, UFC sends in, uh, went down, uh, early, early, early Saturday morning, super crazy early. Uh, I think the prelim started like 3 a.m., the main card started at 6. So I was watching this, um, at my desk at work, and... Guys, I, this is one card that I'm I'm really mad that I had to watch this at work because I wanted to scream during the main event and I was in an office and I could not. Um, I threw my hands in the air. I don't know if anybody in the office saw me, but I definitely I did I did one of those like air chants, <laughs> but I couldn't like. I really wanted to let loose. Main event, strawweight championship, Jessica Andrade defending her title against Wei Li Zhang. Where, where do I start? Um, all you guys, man, I remember when this fight got announced. And there were so many of you guys on Twitter, boy. Y'all were... The, dis, the, the disrespect and the slander I, I saw on Twitter that week of who is Wei Li Zhang and who is she beat and how is she getting this title shot and she's gonna get blown out and blase, blase, blase. Like, y'all were... Ooh, y'all were, y'all were. Mm. Bunch of fakes, bro. Yeah. Now I saw that clip of, of I don't know why I even watched this, because I, I don't pay attention to his show or really Man. much else that he does. But uh, one one Brendan Schaub. Oh, you mean act- you mean world class fight at fight analyst Brendan Schaub? Right. <laughs> Mr. Right. Uh, Connor has a chance, Brendan Schaub. <laughs> <laughs> like, Somebody asked him about this card, and he's like, oh, this fight would be a prelim on one championship. Jessica Andrade is going to steamroller. And this, I'm not mad at people for picking Andrade to win. Because when this fight initially got announced, I I wasn't 100% sure that Wei Li Zhang was going to win, but I knew this was going to be a tough fight. And this, all of the slander of this fight when it got announced, it kind of, 
I want to get on my my MMA elitist, but no, do it, do it. <laughs> this now I I can kind of tell like people who only pay attention to names and people who actually watch fights. Or if some of y'all do watch fights, maybe you just don't really know or understand like what you're watching. But I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna assume that y'all just didn't watch Wei Li Zhang fight. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that y'all did that because a lot of y'all just act like you didn't really know who she was. Um, in case you didn't know, she was over in Kunlun, uh, in that league handling business. And one of the first things I noticed about her when I first started like watching her fights and researching her when she got signed to UFC was that strength that she had. Like she was ragdolling people, and when she beat Jessica Aguilar, albeit. Jag isn't who she used to be, and maybe in the grand scope of things, that win doesn't mean much. But there are certain things that just, like, the eye test will just tell you, like, throw away names, throw away rankings, just just look at what you're watching. When you saw the way she just handled Jag, in an area that Jag is supposed to be, like, what she's comfortable at, and Li Zhang just made her look very amateurish on the ground, just bullied her in a way I've never seen Jag get bullied before. I was like, oh, yeah, she, Whaley's, she's, she's one of them, like, she's a little different than the rest of y'all. Like, that strength is, I wasn't sure if it was in, as strong as Andrade's, but I was like, if it's not as strong, she's at least maybe slightly below, or she's like neck and neck. And what was I knew was going to make this fight interesting was that Andrade, and not, not to put this as a knock against her, because she makes it work. A lot of her game is just, like, it's ridiculous power and strength that, like, nobody can just really match or handle. Like, she can just bully people, and they just, she can just take your lunch money, and you can't do anything. And Zhang was the one person on that roster in that division who I looked at and said, oh, she can't pickpocket her that easy. It's not going to go down like that. Didn't think it ended 42 seconds. Um, I'd be lying if I said I thought that. Um, I picked Jang to win. I thought it would be a really hard fought <laughs> like decision. But hey man. Uh Jang had other uh other things to do, I guess. When this fight first started, boy I was nervous. That look that Andrade had when the fight first started, when they were doing the announcements and she was just staring across the cage, I was like, Oh, she is looking like she is ready. She about to <laughs> she about she's about to kill somebody. She was locked in, and I was so nervous when this fight started, but what I thought was interesting, as soon as the fight starts, you don't see people come out and really, like, be the aggressor against Andrade. Not not many people. Jane comes out immediately, I'm ready for smoke. She comes out, she's throwing leg kicks, she's kind of, she's, she's within range to be hit. Like, she's, she's not shying away from anything. And I knew at that moment, I was like, one of two things is going to happen. We're about to get a brawl, and this is going to be a really fun, just rock'em, sock'em kind of fight. Or maybe Zhang might get a little too comfortable, get clipped, and then I'm going to have to leave, and I'm going to be hurt. And little did I know there was a third option where Zhang would come out, throw a couple leg kicks. They get into this brief exchange, and I think, I feel like Andrade did hit her one good time. And then she went. I'm looking at it right now. The left hook that backs up Wei Li Zhang, it bounces off her um, 
her glove. Okay, all right. So she didn't hit the flush. Okay. Yeah. But she was swinging some leather. Right. And then she goes to Russian, gets caught with a right, gets dropped. And then this little flurry against the cage where Andrade goes to tie up, gets hit with an el- gets hit with just alternate elbows and knees, and those knees were like <laughs> those knees were so on point. She was just alternating elbow, elbow, knee, 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 elbow. It was it all happened so fast. And then by the last knee, which landed really great, like right in Andrade's gut. It was a beautiful knee. Andrade backs up. Whaley just chases her down. I think she hit her with a right. Um, Andrade falls against the cage, eats like two ground and pound shots, and it's all over. 42 seconds, and I was just, I was floored. I, 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 (laughs) it's, it's hard to describe the feeling. I never thought I'd see Andrade get like, I, this fight reminded me of Cyborg and Nunez in the sense that... It is basically a carbon copy. Yeah, like, Nunez was the first person we've ever seen who hit just as hard, if not harder, than Cyborg did. And in comparison, that's how I felt about Zhang with Andrade. I was like, this is the one person who I think, if they trade leather... If it just becomes a fight of physicality that Zhang can match her, like it's not going to be easy, and we saw how it played out. And I'm not saying if they ran it back, it would end the same in like under a minute. But her strength and athleticism, not even including her skill set, which is really well rounded, and we didn't even really get to see all of it because it ended so quick. She is a problem to deal with, man. Um, for I, I, I was floored. I was. History was made, first Chinese champion. And I think you said this back on the podcast way back. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think we might have both said this back when she first got signed and got like her first couple of wins, that she was probably at the time China's best chance of... I said that way, way, yeah. way, way back, like when they signed, um, was it Yan Shanan? Yeah. I was like, oh, I heard that they were signing like... Matter of fact, I said it back when, um, remember, uh, Gu- uh, what was his name, Guan Wang? Mm. The, the dude who beat, um, Bruce Leroy? I remember, um, Dominic Cruz hinted that they had signed a Chinese, like, uh, it was either Dominic Cruz or John Anik had, like, hinted that they had signed, like, like, Sean Shelby had told they had signed, like, this big Chinese star to go fight in Singapore. It just turns out it was, like, Guan, it was Guan Guan. I was like, oh, is it going to be Wei Li Zhang? I was like, I, like, I've been on the Willie Jang hype train for, like, a hot minute now. That's why you guys should listen to this podcast. Yeah. We let you know who's hot before they... Yeah, like, like I'm, I'm not going to say I pretend I thought she was... I, I picked on drives to win this fight only because I... I think I didn't give too much... I think I gave too much credence to the Danielle Taylor uh, fight where she got tagged twice really hard, just exchanging in the pocket because... Taylor is not the same type of fighter as Jessica Andrade. She's she, she's the John Dotson type. Right. While Andrade is the John Lineker type. Like she's going to explode in in between your punches at like awkward times and you know mess you up that way. She's not going to sit down in the pocket and 
you know, just have a fun move fight with you, like um, like Andrade does. So, the thing that really just killed Andrade is that she just has no answer for the leg kick. Like all her pen, all her punches are round punches, like you know, swinging hooks, no jab, no straight cross down the middle. Like so, she doesn't really have anything she can counter with because, like Zhang is really long and a really good kicker, so she knows how to keep her distance while she's kicking. So she tried to rectify that by just charging forward and forcing Zhang back. Zhang stops her with a kick, triples up on the like goes from the inside kick, triples up with the left hand, gets Andras to turn again, hits her with two elbows. Turns her again, and as Andraj comes forward, parries Andraj's right hook, and then delivers the right hand. That's just smooth stuff, man. Like, I don't know a lot of fighters overall who could do that, let alone like w- women in the the, the, the strawweight division. You know what I mean? Right. So that that was wild. Um, Another thing I think I didn't give enough credit to was just how fucking hard Zhang hits. Like, between the Taylor and Torres fights, I'm like, okay, she's a really good kickboxer. She's really technical. But I didn't, like, again, I didn't take it to take consider the fact that, oh, Tisha Torres and Danielle Taylor are probably two of the hardest women to hit clean in, in, in MMA right now. Just because they fight this frustrating outside style of fighting. So... You throw in Jessica Andrade, who's just going to be there to be hit, and Zhang is going to light her the fuck up, like. And yeah, wow, that that clinch uh, exchange where she landed like six elbows and like nine knees was wild. Um. Yeah, what a like, what a killer! What a killer! Like. 20 and 1 China's first champion in the in MMA, uh, in the UFC um does it in front of the uh I, I guess not the hometown crowd but you know does it in front of her country apparently she made um CCTV over there which is like government news which is like a really big deal uh. um I've seen some things from like Chinese fans saying that it's not as big as the de- like it's not being as uh, being treated as big a deal as it could be. Um, but yeah, what what a fucking performance! Respect y'all, champ, man. Right. Put 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 respect on that name now. I don't want to hear no more who's Weili Zhang and who she beat and who da 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 da. Shut all that up. Just. I mean, all y'all going, all y'all going time out. She had better performances against um, Tisha Torres and Jessica Andrade and Rose Namajunas did. There you go. I, w- <laughs> I swear, if this wasn't Andrade, because I like Andrade, so I don't want to, I don't want to make it seem like I'm dumping on her. It's more so that the not Andrade fans, just people who was just out here, just kind of disrespecting. Disrespecting Jane, I just really just wanna. The people who are like, I really want to see Joanna and Jacek take the title off of Jessica Andrade because I didn't like Jessica Andrade. Right. And they were like, well, Who the hell is Lady? Jack? Like, it's stupid. Yeah. Y'all are like, ooh, y'all are 
Go sit in your corner, your lonely corner. You know nothing. Watch, like, at least have an idea who's in the top ten. Like, obviously, don't be like us and watch every single fight. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, like, yeah, if you see a name in the top ten, maybe inquire into who that is. Right. One one quick little Google search could have, uh... And I'm not even saying you had to pick her to win, because obviously she she definitely had some variables, some, you know... There were, there were some questions that needed to be answered coming into the fight, so I'm not... I'm not bashing anybody for not picking her, but it's just the the disregard. It's like, bro, if y'all, if you just would have Google, did a little quick YouTube search, or if you're one of the people who have fight pass, you have no excuse. You could have just watched her fights. Like you could have, could have, could have figured this out. But you know what? Hey, man, she's your champ now, so you gotta respect it. Um, Weili Zhang, Zhang Gang in the building. That's my crew. That's what I'm calling us. Jane I'm gang. starting the Jane gang. I'm starting the wave. We're a whole clique. We're everywhere. There are 1.3 billion of us. Right. <laughs> we we out here. We mobbing everywhere. Twitter streets. We everywhere. Jane gang in the building. Um, but nah, man, that was a phenomenal performance. I guess the only question I had after this is uh, who who up next? Who uh? Who who should get that next crack? Cause I don't think we should see a rematch. No. Um, so I don't know what's up with Tatiana Suarez. Like and like she's on. She last time I heard she was on the shelf for um you know her neck following the Nina Ansaroff fight. I don't know how much of that is still a thing. Uh, let me just check and see. Um, she's back training, so. Yeah, so she's back training, so I'm assuming she's near good to go, at least. Um, so, I, I wouldn't be against her getting in the next fight. Um, I don't, I don't know if that's what the UFC wants to do. Uh, just because Spores is, like, just such a weird opponent for, uh, this, this division. Um, we have the Michelle Waterson, uh, Duane and Jacek fight coming up next month. I mean, there's a storyline there where they offered Duane and Jacek the uh, Wei Li Zhang fight, and she turned it down. And Zhang wanted the smoke. Yeah, I, I she wanted the smoke. I remember forever ago somebody tweeting out that Wei Li Zhang claimed that she knocked out Duane and Jacek in an amateur fight. An amateur kickboxing fight. I I can't find that tweet anymore. But you know that's that's if that's a thing that she's willing to you know put her name on. Uh, Zhang, that is like that. That's a storyline. Um, I think it works for either too, because you know you would go with the whole we was we should have fought way back when, but we didn't. And I think if Waterson wins that fight. That's one of those fights where it's like a lot of us just didn't think she'd even get there. Yeah, we didn't think she she'd climb the mountain. Um, and that that would or went over Joanna would you know I don't know if anybody else you can beat who <laughs> wouldn't put you over the mountain, so to speak. So yeah, I'm down for the winner of those two or 
I kind of don't want to see the Suarez fight because um, I think after her last fight, I'm I'm kind of pumping the brakes on her a little bit. Right. Or um, if they want to do the um, the like the flyway thing and just have her turn around real quick, they could just throw Koya Godella at her. Oh, that. I mean, she's what two and one in her last three, I guess. I mean, not the best resume, but she's a top five fighter, or I guess top six now, because um, Willie Zhang was number six, if I remember right, and then she got, she's now the champ, so bumps Gugela down, but hey, if that's just a stay busy fight until they find the next contender, I mean, she did just go through a 40 second fight where she got no damage done. We'll see them. I kind of like the Waterson Yoana winner. Uh, I'm leaning towards that, but we'll see. And, e- either way, then there's always um, what's her face, who you know the UFC wants to get a title shot, or at least at one point wanted to get a title shot. Uh, Cynthia Cavillo. Cavillo, yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's fighting Claudia Gadell. I forgot about that. In December. Yeah, she'll probably have to hold off then. But we'll see. We'll see. E- either way, Weili Zhang is your new strawweight champion. First Chinese champion ever in the UFC. She put respect on her name. She joins um, what's her name? Zhang uh, Chu Kai. I think that's how we pronounce her name. As uh, the current combat sports recognized world champions. Um, if we're not gonna count um. What's her name from one championship? Uh, Zhang, Zhang, not Zhao Nan. Zhao Nan. Yeah. Uh, if we're not counting Zhao Nan in one championship, it's like those two because Zhao Shiming is garbage. Sorry. <laughs> Arch. I mean, they had him fight like a 19-year-old for the world title, and he barely won. <laughs> But, um, nah, man, Whaley Zhang, your new champion. Insert the Jada Kiss champ is here. Music everywhere she goes. Zhang Gang in the building. We are here. That was the main event. Moving on to the co-main event. Another fight that kind of left me speechless. The Leech. Jing Leon Lee versus Leski Dos Santos. Um, what a nice what re- surprising performances from the Chinese fighters. Right, they they they, they showed out, man. The ones who really, oh man, we ain't got to move the jury. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> a lot of these Chinese fighters, man. They they really were out here like proving points and making a name for themselves. Um, the leech, man. When this fight got announced, this is a replacement fight, right? Zaleski was supposed to fight, um, uh, I feel like he's fighting somebody else. Not for this card, no. Was it not? Uh, I don't believe so. I think they were, this was the plan. Um, last year he was supposed to fight the Leech, um. Okay, so the fight just got rescheduled. Yeah, he was supposed to fight the Leech at, um, what was it? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Because I remember after his last fight, we wanted him to get, like, a top 
guy, and then this fight got announced. It was like, oh, we like this, but I guess maybe not the fight we were hoping for. But either way, um, going into this fight, I thought Zaleski was <laughs> was gonna win. Um, I actually was thinking that this would go more along the lines of how one of his last fights did, where. I was hoping for like a barn burner. I was like, man, he's going to mess around just going there and take him down and not give me the violence that I want. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought maybe something like that would happen. Or maybe he would just clip uh, the leech with something crazy. A wild capoeira kick or, you know, whatever, whatever crazy stuff he decides to invent that day. Um, yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, not only did it not happen, um, he got beat up a little bit. Right, <laughs> like a little bit. Le- yeah, boy, the leech was uh, he was letting some hands loose, um, a lot of them, and I, I learned some things about Dos Santos that 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 fight. I learned a lot about uh, the leech. Um, what a great said that, jab the man has. Like overall, and I, I posted this in our Facebook group. The, the, Jing Leon Lee is one of the most improved fighters I think I've seen in like the last maybe like three to four years. Like you couldn't have told me the guy who I, I can I can't remember the first couple fights I've seen him in. But if you'd have told me that guy would have a performance like this back then, I would have never believed you. If you had told like, me the guy who got the nickname the Leech because he was a grinding top control wrestler (laughs) not on the american regional circuit but the chinese regional circuit inside of like a defunct like the leech was in one of like legend fc's last cards if i remember correctly like a defunct malay like hong kong based promotion oh no they're still oh no they're still around they're just he was on, like, the second-to-last card for, like, th- five years for the promotion. <laughs> and now he is out here. And now he's a boxer. Yeah. And, like, you just look at, like, his footwork, like you said, jabs and just combinations he does. And the one thing I noticed about this fight was he was really good at just kind of getting in, getting my shots, and getting out. Like... He had a really good managing of distance. Like, I can tag you up a little bit, and then I'm going to get just out of range so you can't really do too much. But I'm still close enough to you to where I can kind of jump back in real quick and get off what I need to get off. And then just really good on, like, pressure and, like, octagon control. Like, I've never seen Zaleski kind of look frustrated slash, like, kind of lost like he was kind of drowning out there um and I also realized that it Z- Zaleski's boxing it like he can throw some hard shots but he's not like a combination kind of guy really um it just it's almost seemed like when he couldn't he couldn't really pick a good shot or find any really crazy openings he just really didn't have much else to kind of offer. Like, I can wing a couple of hard shots here and there. I can get off a few kicks, but 
he couldn't really deal with that footwork, that pressure, the, the boxing. He he had no answer for it. It, it, um, it was really tough. Like the leech um, behind the jet. Like it wasn't even like him. Then it was him threatening with it that really just completely threw off uh, Dos Santos's timing. Like you'd see him switch stances, the leech would like pump out the, um, a couple of like feints, and uh, Dos Santos would just completely disengage. Like did not try to like counter or follow up or anything. Like he would like that's the thing. He was like waiting to counter with something big. But it, it like it just never came, it never materialized. Yeah, he 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 just the leech really just put on a nice little clinic, like he just really went out there and just really put it on him. And then I think it was in the second round, it was the second offer he dropped him with like a straight right. And then in the last round with the finish, he caught uh, Dos Santos with an uppercut that um, I don't even think caught him on the chin. It like caught him on like the ear, kind of sort of. I feel like it clipped like the side of his face. Either way, it was a perfectly placed uppercut, staggered him, and the leech just kind of goes in for the kill. Um, and it sucks for Dos Santos, even though he was definitely on his way to losing this fight. I think even had he survived, he he would definitely would have lost the decision. The fight only had, like, nine more seconds to go. Like, <laughs> if he'd have just held out a little longer, he'd have made it to the end. But dude just caught that uppercut, got staggered, and then ate, I think he ate, I think they counted, he ate, like, six unanswered shots um, after that uppercut. And that was it, man. Yeah. What a, what, what a performance, man. Yeah. That's probably the best version of the leech uh, I think we've seen. Um, he's good, man. That dude, that dude is, he can hit hard. When's the last, does he even wrestle anymore? Like, I haven't, I can't remember <laughs> the last time I seen the takedown. Yeah, dude's been out here for his last couple fights, just kind of, just letting the hands loose. Um, but I ain't mad at it, it's working. So, hey man, if it ain't broke, dude, do not fix, so. Jing Leon Lee, man, he really put it on Zaleski Dos Santos. I, I didn't think I'd see Dos Santos get kind of schooled like that, man. It was that it was that was another performance. Where I was just like, wow, like, wow. Yeah. So shout out to the leech. Gets him out of there just, just before the end of the fight, too. Right, like right at the end, man. Right at the end. So shout out to the leech, man. That was an incredible performance. Um, I don't know who I want to see him fight next. I just want to see him fight again. If if he can keep doing, if he can keep keep having performances like these, I'm I'm always down for for a leech fight. Um, uh, um yeah, it, let me check the rankings real quick, cause uh, what were he? Was it was he ranked? I don't believe so. He should be. I mean, he should be out, yeah, because Dos Santos is ranked 14th, so I imagine he's going to go up after this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd love to see him fight Pons. Yeah, I'm down for that. Pons and Nibio have been on the shelf for, like, ever. Um. Yeah, 
definitely down for that. Give, give him somebody he can. Yeah, I think I think the Pond fight would be interesting because Pond's really long, lucky, and he'll he he's gonna throw hands. He's not a. He ain't gonna be out there lost. Right. <laughs> yeah, Pond's know what the business is. Um, but nah, man, incredible. It, this was such a one-two from the main event and co-main event. It, it was just two wild moments right after each other. Um, but uh, Jing Leon Lee won uh, via TKO in the third round. Uh, moving on to flyweight, had Kai Car France versus Mark De La Rosa. Um, I guess Mark, I, I guess the game plan, which makes sense, <coughs> excuse me, was to try to get Kai Car France down, work the jujitsu, all that good stuff, and he spent a good, sizable portion of the first round, kind of. I think he had shot for a takedown. He had Kaikar France up against the cage. He was trying to work his positioning. You know, one of those kind of rounds. And then out of nowhere, Kaikar France uh, uses both hands to kind of push De La Rosa off. And then he turns inside. And he just reaches down and lifts De La Rosa up and just kind of slams him. Uh, gets a couple shots off. And then, I don't really know from then on, I can't remember if De La Rosa was able to get many more takedowns after that. But, um, I think Kakara dropped him in the second, or was that? The, I think it was the second, where he dropped De La Rosa with a right. Um, I think he did kind of fall in love with the right too much. I felt like right after that knockdown, he kind of kept, like he spammed it a little bit. Um... And then a lot, a lot of the rest of that, I didn't say the rest of the fight, but a, a lot of the rest, a big portion of the latter half of the fight was pretty much contested on the feet. Um, both guys were landing good shots. I just thought Kai Car France, I guess, landed a bit harder and mixed it up a bit more. I liked a lot of what uh, Kai Car France did in the third round, where he really started to attack the body. Um, he's been throwing a lot of kicks and threw a lot of body kicks to De La Rosa. At one point, he had him hurt. Uh, with his back against the cage, he had a little flurry going, but De La Rosa survived it. Um, I don't know, I just thought uh, Kakar France did a better job of just kind of mixing things up. And De La Rosa wasn't bad on the feet, but, you know, obviously things probably would have went a lot better had he been able to work more of his ground game, but, you know, Car France wasn't, uh, he wasn't having none of that. Right. Um, it was a cool fight. I don't really have a ton much to say about it. I, I do like Kai Car France though. Um, I, I enjoy watching this fight. Like that he was able to mix it up pretty good. So, um, you know, so solid fight from Kai Car France. He won via unanimous decision. Um, yeah, I don't really have a ton to add to see what you say. Um, it is another solid um, showing from Kai Car France. Um, Dale Russell just. Especially the fight, like De La Rosa wasn't doing too bad on the feet, but like th then all of a sudden it would just fall apart and like uh, Carter France would just like blast him with something, and then he looked like scared for the next like three minutes or something. Um. So yeah, no. A big win for Carter France. I wonder if they're gonna put him on that um. The what you call it card, the uh, the the big stadium card for uh, UFC uh, Adesanya Whitaker, whatever number that is. 
I mean, it's it's only two months away. Hey, man, if he's ready and willing and then healthy. I mean, in the current UFC flyweight division where they got rid of all the actual best flyweights in the world, he's 3-0. and Right. So. And like I said, flyweights have been showing out lately. Hey, man, throw him on there. He's clearly ready for smoke. Right. <laughs> he's fights like it. Um, Kaikar France won via unanimous decision over Mark De La Rosa. Uh, moving on to welterweight. Uh, Song Kanan versus Derek Krantz. I'm not going to lie. I don't remember much of this fight other than two welterweights swinging really hard other. at each other. And then, and then Derek Krantz looked like he was... Actually, I can't even... No, I can't just say him. They both look really tired by like midway through like the second and into the third. It looked like they were just on fumes. Um, I do not remember a lot of like specific detail about this fight though. Same here. Like I remember watching it. I remember both of them being really tired by the end of it. Like hands down, just right. <laughs> like they they were they were near like Kimbo Houston Alexander territory. Like like bro, I'm just ready for this fight to be over because I am. yeah. Like, like a minute left. Um, song is like has his arms on his like hips and he's just walking at Chris. Right. <laughs> They're like, he's like throwing overhand rights, and he's not even in like a punching stance. Like he's just, he's just kind of throwing like, "Yo, get away from me." Um, <laughs> uh, I remember there was some blood. Yeah, I not really. This fight just didn't really stick out that much. I don't think it was a bad fight. It was just one of those like, it happened. I mean, look at the two fights. It was in between, like the Kaikar friends and Mark De La Rosa fight, which was a pretty. Good one, and then the the Mizuki Inoue uh, debut. Right. So yeah, this the fight kind of got lost in the in the mix, but it wasn't a, a terrible fight. It was just kind of one of those fights, like, all right, that was cool. It was a thing that happened. Two big guys just kind of, you know, we're just gonna go out here, we're gonna wing it. Um, but Sankanam won uh, via unanimous decision. Uh, and as you just mentioned. Uh, rounding out the main card, uh, this fight was ended up being at catchweight. Uh, we had Mizuki Inoue making her UFC debut against Wu Yanan. Uh, for those who don't know, Mizuki Inoue uh, was a pretty popular Invicta FC fighter. Had some pretty big fights in that organization. I've been a fan of her for some years now. was really excited to see that she made her way on this card. Um, yeah, man, this, this was this was the, the, another moment on the card that was like a feel-good moment for me. For one, just kind of her being in the UFC, I, I was really happy for that, and that she ended up getting the win. Um, boy, first thing you notice when this fight starts is, man, she's short and just little. And Wu Yanan, <laughs> I don't say towers over her, but like, she is like, kind of towers Wu over Yanan her. Wu Yanan started her career in the UFC as a bantamweight. You saw the the size difference, yeah. like the height, the reach, the length, like all that. Um, I really feel for Mizuki because if she hit just like a little bit harder, she wouldn't be getting these like split decisions. Right, and 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 my my thought while I was watching her, I was like, should she be at flyweight? She, I think she was just here to cover for uh for the yeah. was still on the card. 
Yeah, short short notice, you know, kind of replacement. Because, I mean, and, and to get to the fight, like, she, <laughs> for all of the discrepancy between height and reach, like, she did a good job of being able to get inside, like, pretty consistently. Um, and, and land good shots, put together good combinations, and it, it looked like Buyanam was kind of <clears throat> a little frustrated. I, I kind of expected... I guess I thought with Wu Yanan's reach turned into one of them Stephen Strew situations where I was like, she has the reach, but I don't think it's being like utilized in the best way. Right. Like you would, you would, you think you'd see like more of a straight jab or more of like a, a front kick or just like kicks in general to just kind of keep Inoue at bay. But Inoue was pretty consistently able to get in inside, land combinations slip punches get inside like she was able to pretty consistently get in and land good shots she um, is such a slick boxer on the inside mm. like it's just it like it, it, she like if she was just like a little bit harder be she'd be getting these definitive decisions but alas she she's not i will say this was the highest pace i think i've seen her like set mid yeah, she never really stopped. Yeah, like, like we we've seen her give away a couple fights in the past where um, where she she maybe they're not even taking her foot off the gas, but like she's very one shot at a time. I'm going to take my time, I'm not gonna you know, press the issue. Like that's how that's how she lost to Curly the Kovalevich fight. Um, a fight she arguably won. Um, so. And that was good to see. Like I, I know she was working with um, Matt, Sarah, and Ray Longo. Like yeah, that's her camp now. Um, All right. I, I don't know if that's still the case, but it, that was really good to see. Uh, I think no, I think they mentioned like broadcast that she she still trains over there. They they just couldn't make it out for the fight because um, it was short notice. So yeah, no, it, it, she's still young. Like she's only. 25 20 yeah 24 25 so um you know she's still improving um she, she's apparently 100% recovered from the ACL tear um so i i'm i'm, I'm hoping for good things for her at, at strawway i'm not expecting like a title run or anything like that but like i think she could be like a really solid top 10 fighter I, at this point, I'll I'll just con- I'll settle for just give me some consistent performances. You know, you might win some, you might lose some, but you're gonna give me a good fight every time. Every time you're out there, right? Um, but yeah, good on just being able to just overcome just all the physical feats. <laughs> just you know, because I remember watching her fight and the Janda Roba fight, where it just seemed like at times she was just like physically just outmatched, like the strength difference was just so much. And I was hoping that, like, with her fighting at Flyway, like, oh, don't let her get out here and get bullied. And that that was not a thing at all. Like, went in and put on a really just kind of slick boxing performance. Um, and on short notice. Like, that's just pretty impressive. So, I'm really happy that she's in the UFC now. Um, Got a win her debut you know, and everything. Right. Won the debut... Hopefully next fight will will be at strawweight because yeah I, I I was thinking during this fight like boy if she stayed at flyweight 
Yes. Fighters don't get no smaller. <laughs> she, like you said, she doesn't have like the most pop on her punches. So, if she was to stay at, uh, at flyweight, boy, she would have to really rely on just a lot of movement and getting in and out. Um, but strawweight definitely, obviously, would be the best for her. So, hopefully, we'll see her down there. But good performance from Inouye. Glad she's in the UFC. Waiting to see what she does next. Uh, so she got the win. <clears throat> excuse me, over Wu Yanan via uh, split decision. So that was the main card. Um, good, good work. Yeah, good. it was a really solid main card. Like I said, that that one-two between the main event and co-main event was, <laughs> like it, it was a lot. And then flyweight showed out. Song Kanan, Derek Kranz was like cool, but the in a way and Yanan fight was was pretty good. It was a nice uh, a nice boxing scrap. So overall, really, really solid main card. So, that'll lead us on to the ESPN prelim portion of the card. And I guess me and the Antaku will probably have the same disclaimer in which we were only able both <laughs> to watch all of these fights probably only once. So, uh, if memory fades, uh, forgiveness, please. <laughs> but, uh... Headlining the ESPN prelims, Anthony Fluffy Hernandez versus John Young Park. Randomly, too. Like, not, not that this is like a, you know, this is all at ESPN Plus, so it's probably not that big a deal, but it's a weird fight to put on your headlining prelim attraction. I think they like Fluffy. <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people liked him before he came to the UFC. Like, he had a pretty, honestly, big fan base, but I, I saw a lot of people who, like, really did seem to take a liking to him. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe he just kind of has a solid fan. Dude, I didn't realize these guys were middleweights. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, he looked, like, I thought this was like a lightweight fight. Nah. <laughs> you didn't see the muscles? <laughs> Jung Park looked pretty stocky. I mean, I thought this big... Dude, like, all the Korean fighters show up looking like they fucking been juicing since they were eight. <laughs> yeah, like, nah, that, that dude, boy, that's, that's a grown man body. <laughs> But um, no, I, I I was rooting for Fluffy man. I wanted I wanted to see Hernandez do good. Um, this fight gave me some scares. Um, cause John Young Park did pretty good on the feet. Like he tagged Hernandez up a, a good couple times. Um, in that first round, he was landing some pretty good shots, and he hit he he has a, he has some sting behind his punches. And there were moments where they were having flurries, and I was like, oh boy, I hope Hernandez doesn't get clipped and get put out here early um um but yeah they, they they had some pretty good exchanges in that first but young young park he, he landed some solid shots but as i always say man one of the best things you can be in mma man it just it pays to be well-rounded have that little extra that little extra card in the deck that you can go to when things either aren't going so well or you know you're just taking a little more damage than you probably need to uh, because Anthony Hernandez was pretty much able to get takedowns uh, without much resistance. Um, I feel like he got them pretty easily. E even if Junior, even if he wasn't able to do a lot with them at moments, like just the fact that he was able to get them so easily, I thought was a good sign for him. And I think he noticed that because in the second, I think he, I think he did get tagged up again. He might have gotten rocked, but when he went for the takedown, like he, he pretty much got it with ease. 
and he had got one takedown on Park, and I think um, he was able to hold him down for a little bit, but Park got back up. And I think the second takedown he got on Park, he got him uh, against the cage, um, was able to get pretty good positioning. Um, I think he had took, uh, I think he took Park back at one point, landed some good shots, um, and then there was just like a moment where uh, I'm trying to remember the, the sequence. I can't remember if he was in, like, side control. I just remember there was a moment where, like, Park was just kind of, like, just sit, just sitting there a little bit. Just kind of, like, wanting to get up, but he was just kind of just not really moving or fighting off anything. And Hernandez just kind of reached over to the side <laughs> and sunk in, uh, I guess it was, I don't know, Darce or Anaconda choke. One of, one of, one of them two. Um, but it, it was a nice way he just kind of reached over and just kind of grabbed it and um I didn't even think he I didn't even think he had it in super tight but at that point in the fight I think uh they both were pretty tired because they both had eaten some shots back and forth um both guys were, I didn't say they were completely gassed but they they looked pretty tired um so I don't know if the tap was more to fatigue or maybe he did just have it in tighter than I thought he did but um no it was a nice anaconda joke and he Got him out there, so Anthony Hernandez got his first UFC win. Yeah, I, re- I really like um with uh Jung uh Jung Young Park or Yun Yun. Why the heck does Topology have like his name different in the bar than they do on like his actual screen? Uh, yeah, Jung Young Park. I-, I really like his game, like like really boxing based, um, like. Um, he he does that thing where like he'll stay in the pocket like a little bit longer than your normal MMA fighter, and that like opens up a couple co- like combinations to him. Mm. And I, I really like that. Um, did the, ended up with him getting taken down here, unfortunately. Um, uh, he he did all right at defending the takedowns at first, like especially the end of the first round. But by like the second round, like just kind of seems like. He he didn't have an answer for Hernandez's like doggedness in getting him down. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to say about like Hernandez, like Hernandez, other than he put, it was a really gutsy performance because like he he was getting, you know, his shit kicked in on the feet. Yeah. Uh, before the takedown, <laughs> so like you said, it's really good to have a backup plan or not backup plan, but something to pull out of your uh, your back pocket. When you're uh, losing, so yeah, props to Hernandez for um for being able to accomplish that, and I'm looking forward to seeing Park fight again. Yeah, yeah he he got hands, man. That that he is pretty hard. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's a middleweight. Okay, he has some sense of the afterlife kind of punch. Yeah, like the, a gorgeous jab too that he was using to like just stop. Hernandez in his tracks when he was uh, throwing. But yeah, no, solid fight. Yep. Good, uh, solid, solid headliner for the prelims. It was, it ended up being pretty, pretty good, uh, I don't say action-packed, but there was enough going on. People were getting hands put on. There was a lot going on, so I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but moving on to Bantamweight. Sue Mutajiri versus Andre Sukumtai. Um, sometimes there are just fights 
on a card where one fighter just gets like beat up and I mean like like he catches it like it's bad <laughs> like he like he just catches every strike you can imagine he might live he might not get knocked out but it is not a pleasant sight to watch and I imagine it didn't feel good um Sumo Tajiri put on a clinic an absolute clinic on Sukumtai just what an unfortunate fighter Sukumtai is <laughs> and like I like Sukumtai man he's, he's put on some fun fights and I I I think it was him they mentioned in out of the first or second that he broke his he hand. Broke, yeah, first after the first round he broke like the pink, his pinky yeah. on his uh, left hand, um, which took completely just took away the hook for him. So he was literally just out there relying on the right hand, and it kind of feels like they should have maybe stopped the fight and and, and um, saved him, but from a beat. yeah, <laughs> like. Muda Jerry was getting off this fight. Like, that man was out here just moving in and out, all kinds of angles, punches, kicks, hooks, just anything he wanted to throw. He was just, that man was in the matrix for three rounds, just going off on Sukumtot. And Sukumtot had no, had nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like he, he, he had, had nothing, nothing for him. Like, it is—it's not even really a lot. To, it was a slacking. That's what this, it was—a paddling. Just three rounds of just like I. So I didn't know a whole bunch about. Uh, I, I don't even know how to pronounce the man's name. Sum, uh, Sumer. Deji, Derji, uh, yeah, Sumer Derji. Um, like I, I, I vaguely remember his fight with Luis Spoka. I, like I remember him getting armbarred, and I remember Joey. I think telling me they signed this Chinese bantamweight, who got signed, who was coming off a loss. So he was entering the UFC on the loss. Got came in, got armbarred by Luis Spoka, who's a flyweight. Who moved up to Bantamweight. Um, and like, you know, Sukum Top is, uh, is a tough opponent. Um, yeah, um, I, I think the only dude who's ever looked like good against him was like Montel Jackson, who was his last opponent. Um, I guess Sean O'Malley, but that was different. Um, but yeah, no, like, the dude went out there and just beat the shit out of Sukumtai. <laughs> like, and I guess this, that makes more sense on paper. Like, I didn't know much about like the dude uh, Sumer Derji's style of fighting. Um, like, I knew he was tall. He's five eight. Um, but like, he was out there. He kept Sukumtai at range. Got in. Got out. Um, and the thing with Sukumtai is like he's very much a one punch at a fight, uh, one punch at a time type of fighter. He's not going to throw in combination. He's not going to like pressure. He's going to wait for his counter and um, and and you know launch at you. It's cost him some fights before, but here it was just he could never get a beat on him because one Sumerji was really fast, um, and was and and was just 
too, was doing a good job of keeping him at range, um, like with those sidekicks. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's frustrating when um, you know the guy won't put his feet and throw with you, and you're waiting on the counter. So, just all around for fantastic performance. I think he got like a ten twenty five on the couple of scorecards. Yeah, thirty twenty. Well, according to Wiki. Right. 3026, 3026, 3026. Yeah, like, yeah, 3025. Like, 3026. Like, and honestly, not bad cards because the last two rounds of that fight, whoa. Yeah, he was. It was like the action movie where, like, the main guy beats up all the henchmen. Like, it's like, it's
this was two oh this is this is uh the perfect this is what two oh five can be. That's what this fight was. Right. Um you know what? Joey tagged me in this it was because he watched the prelims live for God knows what reason. Um and was like, I'm glad the anti cool isn't awake for this to ruin this sloppy heavy uh, light heavyweight you know, fun fest or whatever, slop fest. <laughs> but, um, like, Dalvin Jun's like a fine technical striker. Like, he has a lot of problems. He has the same problem like a lot of Korean fighters. And I'm assu- like, I'm, I'm going to check his gym real quick. Um, seem to have, at least in the MMA side, yeah, Korean top team. Where they really only have like one level of defense for their fighters. Where it's just like, okay, we're going to slip the first punch. And then we're going to counter. And if that doesn't work, we're kind of shit out of ideas. So we're going to back into the fence as this man charges forward with his 50 punch combo. I'm just going to turn and, the and, show. You know, <laughs> maybe stick an arm out, try to keep some distance. But like... The, the, there's not a whole lot of pivoting. There's not a whole lot of like circling. It's, it's like moving straight back in the line and like going into the fence and waiting for the other guy to get tired. Yeah. Um, but like, what's. And maybe this is just Ibrahimov getting tired. But once, once, he, once he was tired, like, Don Jones was like fine. Like, he was. He had a really nice one two going for him. Um,. Like was had a really nice jab that really just fucked Ibrahimov's face. Um, like I, my, I, I think he should have probably picked up the pace and gone to the body more, just because of how tired his opponent was. Um, you know, changing levels. Because um, Ibrahimov was still throwing stuff, like he was still being like. Um, Dallin June wasn't exactly fighting at, like, the most ridiculous pace. Like, he was pretty, like, leisurely about um, coming back. And by the third, he had completely taken over, but it was just like, okay. Like, he's been tired since, like, the four-minute mark. It, right. it feels like you could have picked it up and got him out of there a little quicker or picked it up and, like, tired him out even more, like, just taking the spirit out of him. But, like, it... He honestly probably could have tied him in the first if he would just would have did more after that first. Yeah, fight. like because uh, Ibrahimov did get like a second flurry off like two minutes later. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he maybe he just knew like oh he's not done yet he's got one more. Right, in him. but uh, it, it did it did feel like he was not not coasting but like it, it felt like he wasn't really sure if he should like go in for the kill. And. and yeah. I'm not saying he needed to go in for the kill, and he he did. He got the submission here, the standing guillotine. Um, but it felt like he was giving Ibrahimov time to recollect himself and like find energy for these little spurts. In between the stuff, the good stuff he was doing, which was like pressuring and showing the jab, and then countering with that uh, that right hand when uh, when Ibrahimov would swing and it was just like this terrible, ugly thing. Yeah, he was doing those winding, just... A lot of the punches seemed like they didn't have a lot of coordination. It was just, this is all power, no technique. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, Donald Jr. just waited till he got tired, and then he started uh started piecing them yeah. up. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened. Uh, then ended up getting the uh, the submission choke in the third round. So shout out to Donald Jr. Hey man, just let your opponent win the fight for you. I guess. <laughs> I guess that works sometimes. Um, moving on to lightweight. Uh, Demir Ismagulai versus Tiago Moise. Um, boy, Demir, uh, kind of another one of those fights where, uh, a lot of hands got let loose. And, uh, one guy was laying the hands and the recipient, uh, I guess just kind of had to take it. Yeah. Um, is <laughs> a really talented fighter. Yeah, I, I like vaguely remembered his name but I was like I don't remember what other fight I've seen him in but after this fight I'm like alright yeah I want to see this guy fight again um yeah he just had some really slick just combinations just good movement constant pressure like a, another fight kind of like the uh kind of like how we described it. anyway we're just it kind of seemed like he never stopped like he always had something to threaten Tiago with that just he wasn't really letting Tiago breathe for long periods of time. Like you, you're gonna catch this combination, you're gonna get his leg kick, or you're trying to circle out. I'm cutting this ring off. Like I'm, I'm always, I'm gonna make this just really uncomfortable for you. Um, it was just a really consistent one-sided kickboxing match where Demir just he was just getting off. On Tiago, and Tiago just did not have much of anything really to offer. Like Demir, just he really just went off. Yeah. Um, like I, I, there are not a lot of guys you see like who will counter a jab with like a three punch combination, but <laughs> Demir was doing that from the rip, so. Like, you get the finish here, but, um, like, dude has, like, a really good game put together. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a little worried for him because, like, it's so easy to get lost in the shuffle of lightweight, like, you could, you could be, like, well, a six-fight win streak and still not get a top opponent. I was, like, speaking of that real quick, because I just Googled his name, uh, apparently he wants to go down to featherweight. Demir? Yep. He was a big, he seemed like a pretty solid Dude's 5'10". Yeah, I'm like, bro, you, you really need to cut. Okay, you're good. Like, it's fine. You, you're, you'll be fine. Right. <laughs> like, you keep that kind of output. Let, let me check you know. something real quick, because I want to make sure. Because he was the M1 champion, but like, he was, yeah, he was a lightweight champ. Like, you're good. You don't need to do all this extra weight-cutting foolishness, like... No, no. How many UFC fights has he had? He's this. This was third. Third. Okay. Yeah. So, like, good, good performance from Demir. Yeah. He he he's somebody I'll say. Uh, if you didn't know his name, keep keep an eye on him. He uh. He looks like the kind of guy who, in the future, if if there's somebody, because obviously Tiago just could not really hang with him on the feet. If you if you give him somebody who's more skilled with their striking, like he's a guy I think who can give us some really violent fights. <laughs> so, 
yeah, keep, keep an eye on Demir. But no, that was a, a, a one-sided just kind of beating he put on Tiago. So uh, Demir uh, is Magulov beat Tiago Moises uh, via unanimous decision. Moving on to Bantamweight and what was fight of the night. And sadly, I wish I could tell you guys more specifics. But Haley uh, Alatang versus Denai Bat... Good boy, I'm going to kill these names. Denai Bat Gorel. I probably said all of those wrong. Um, all I remember about this fight is just both dudes just like... This was the Rock'em Sock'em fight on the card. Like, we about to just go in... And I'm going to throw, you're going to throw, and whoever don't make it, just don't make it. Um, and I feel bad not remembering more specifics, because this was a really fun fight to watch. I just, I can't remember. I feel like somebody at some point got rocked, because it was way too many hands being thrown <laughs> for somebody to not get rocked. But it was a really fun fight that I just don't remember the finer details of. Um, I watched it again before we recorded. Um, yeah, no, it was, it was a nice little fight. Like, uh, God, they butchered like a lot of these dudes' names either on topology or during the card because like I don't even know how to pronounce half of them or not not pronounce like I don't know what their actual names are. Like this one's Alatang uh, um, Haley. In the broadcast, I think they spelled it all as well. Yeah, that's why I'm so confused. Like, was there supposed to be a space? Like, is that a surname? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to just call him Alatang. Uh, Alatang um, is got some serviceable striking. He's got some good pop in his hands, and he's a pretty good wrestler. Um, and that was enough to carry him past Batgaril. I think is how they pronounce his name. Batgaril. Batgaril. Hmm. Um, who was a fine outside fighter, but kept allowing Alatang to get on the inside where he would land that, like, right hook or right overhand. That would, um, that, w- that would rock him pretty hard. Like, I think he had dropped at a certain point. Um, yeah, but he, d- he did get taken down the third. Um, not a lot from there, but still. Um, but... Yeah, you know, fine, fine performance for a dude debuting in the UFC. Um, uh, you know, fight a night, extra fifty thousand uh, dollars. I'm, I'm curious how well he does with like the right training behind him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like, you know, he started his career five, uh, four and five, but like he was fighting like Nam Jim Joe, who's a really good, um, you know, Korean fighter. Um, and like the, some of these other dudes aren't exactly like Yadon y- Song, um, who's one of the better prospects in the UFC, right? Uh, Chinese prospects in the UFC right now. Um, but like, there's a dude who's obviously still developing, he's only 27. Um, he's got the violence factor, just needs some fun, right? Um, yeah, so nice little fight. Worth a watch. There you go. And it was fight of the night, so go back and watch the fight of the night. <laughs> Between two gentlemen you may have never heard of, but hey man, they went out there and uh they went out there and just scrapped. And the last fight on the card 
uh, Caroline Rosa Zito versus Laura Fritzen Prosopio. Uh, I'd mentioned Fritzen on one of these previous episodes that they signed her. I think it was from Shudo. I want to say she was a she was a champ in whatever organization she. Carol Russell. Carol Hosa, my bad, um, Hosa. Um, but anywho, um, I want to say Prosopio's game is that she's like a jujitsu ace, but wasn't really able to get much of that off this fight. It was a lot of it was contested on the feet. Um, and even though she couldn't get a ton of takedowns, um, she wasn't like a bad striker. She, she had some pretty good combinations, but it just seemed like, uh, Hosa was a bit more comfortable on the feet, um, a bit more crisper, probably landed a bit more combinations, but it was a pretty close contested fight. I think it, it ended up, yeah, it was a split decision. Scorecards are kind of all over the place. I, but. I thought it was a pretty <laughs> clear win for Kettle Hosa. Um... But like you said, I, I thought Pros- uh, Procopio, yeah, made a good account of herself. Um, yeah. You know, the Novo Uniao fighter um, had a really nice right hand um, that I wasn't expecting from you know, a, a jiu-jitsu uh, fighter. Um, timed it really well a couple times. But um, the story of the fight was like Carajosa's like jab cross inside like a combination that she threw like fifty times, and it, like it worked because she had like a nice stiff jab, and like a, a had some actual pop in her right hand. She dropped um Procopio in like the second round. So, yeah, no, like it was nice. It, it was an impressive debut from a woman. And the honestly, you know what just actually just made me happy that I realized about this mm. fight it was that yeah. bantamweight, and we got two. <laughs> We got two new good. It seems to be two good bantamweight fighters um, in, I, in a division that just. I, I think Procopio took this fight um, on short. Oh yeah, because she she yeah she did. She was a flyweight champion wherever she had came. Yeah, from. so. Uh, I, and I'm yeah, not. Su- I wouldn't surprise me if Carol Hosa goes down to flyweight as well, but I think she'd be fine at bantamweight. Stay at bantamweight. We need you. <laughs> just stay. This thing. Who, who who's gonna stop you? Exactly. Right. <laughs> who's who's really gonna stop? All you that's at the end of flyweight is Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, you don't want. But that. then again, and you probably don't really want what's at the end of bantamweight either. But she might retire soon, maybe. So you know, floodgates will be open, man. Um, but no, like I said, both uh, good good performance from both. Um, for for a debut. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what. Uh, Caroline and a Procopio can do. But, uh, uh, Caroline got the win via split decision. And that pretty much, uh, rounds out the card, man. That was UFC Chen Zen. Uh, top to bottom, I thought it was a, it was a pretty solid, uh, night of fights. Like, the main event, amazing. Co-main event blew my mind. Um, like I said, other, other than the Song Kanan Kranz fight, which was, it wasn't even really a bad fight. I just honestly don't remember that much. Um, the rest of the main card was really dope, and then on the prelims, even though I will say this card, there were a lot of decisions, like, even the fights that were decisions were still, like, entertaining fights to watch. There was like, something interesting about them. Yeah, Mutajiri went full Matrix mode for three rounds, um, 
<laughs> if you have a twisted sense of humor, the Daun Jung and Ibra Gama fight gave you everything you love and hate about 205. Well, no, that wasn't finished. Sorry, that wasn't a decision. I can't make fun of them. 205 was to get finished. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, one gets so tired that, that they have that he's just like, yeah, I'm out the fight. Right. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm good. But uh, the the Demir Ismagulov, like, they gave you probably a new name that you, you know, should probably keep an eye on. And the Bantamweights got fight of the night. And like we just said with uh, Caroline and uh, Laura Fritzen, like, potentially two new Bantamweights who actually, like, might be something. Um, but at least they're just, they just seem to be good, which at Bantamweight, man, that's, at this point, I'll just settle for that. Um, they have interesting skills. Right, right. Interesting skills that if they're built upon and they work on, maybe, maybe, maybe they could turn it into something serviceable, something... Something worth keeping an eye on, um, but no, it was a solid night of fights. So it's, it's got... great, especially when like you wake up the next day and all the fights are done, and you can just like skip all the commercials, right, and just go back and just yeah, see the violence that you need to, and get rid of all the filler. But it, it might take a while to rewatch just because there were a lot of decisions. But like the fights were entertaining, and then once you get to the main card, I feel like it, it definitely all pays. Off. So if you didn't see UFC Shenzhen, I'd suggest go back and give it a watch. It was a pretty solid night of fight. Um, and like I said, man, history was made. Whaley Zhang, I, I can't stress this enough. Zhang gang in the building. I gotta get us like a flag or something. <laughs> <laughs> gonna make this a real thing. <laughs> but like, history was made, man. Like, first Chinese champion in the UFC ever. And she puts on like a crazy dominant performance. Um... So if, if for nothing else, you got to go back and watch the card, at least for that. But UFC Shenzhen, man, really solid card. Go back and give it a watch. Go back and watch um, uh, Luke Campbell and uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Pretty awesome fight also. Um, so those were the fights. Uh, next week, man. There, we got some heat next week. Um, we got UFC 242. Habib versus Poirier. So obviously on this card... You know, main event, Habib Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier, Ezan Barboza and Paul Felder are rematching, Islam Makachev. He's not fighting Hamos, right? Isn't there a replacement? Did he get the Hamos get dropped? Did he? Or, you know, I might be lying. I'm thinking of something else. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought he got No, he's still there. Okay, all right, cool. So, Islam Makachev, Davi Hamos, uh, Curtis Blades versus Joey's favorite heavyweight, Shamil Abdukarahimov. Joey's dad. <laughs> he, he's on the card Maribek Tysonov and Diego Fajaya on the card Joanne Calderwood and KGB Lee um, who else you got on here who else you got on here Bilal Muhammad's on the card Nordin Taleb's on the card uh, it's a good it's a good time it's a good time um, I know a lot of us are looking forward to that main event um, so that card should be fire also on September 7th that same day uh, we got Bellator 226, headlined by Ryan Bader versus Chet Congo. But th- this card, man, it's got some got some heat, man. Daniel Strauss versus Derek Campos. Pat Curran versus Adam Borix. Emmanuel Sanchez versus Taiwan Claxton. Sam Cecilia versus Pedro Carvalho. Gaston Ballon. Gaston Ballanos is on the card. Uh, you got John Teixeira on the card. Uh, all right, I guess a little. Oh, Amber Librox down here on the prelim somewhere. 
Adam Piccolotti's down here. I have an endless amount of prelims. Jesus Christ. Um, but no, like this this card is heat, man. Uh, this featherweight Grand Prix for Bellator is is uh this this tournament's gonna be fire, and I'm I'm really excited to see how this turns out. So next week, just between those two cards, I don't, I don't know if anybody else. Uh, I don't know if one has. I know one has a card coming up soon. I don't think it's next. No, it is. Uh, is I, I know because uh, they're having Julie Kitchen's daughter fight on it. Amber Kitchen. Who's uh, who's headlining that one? Crud. Uh, was it Nango? Oh, you're right. You're right. I think that is the Nango fight. I'm trying to. I want to want to give them their just. Uh, they're just due. For some reason, I don't know why I thought that that card was like next week. Um, Nango versus Bryce v uh, Delval from France, okay. the the twenty year old dude. All right, so that it was gonna be a lot. Yeah, that's on Friday. Okay, Friday. All right, so yeah, next week it's gonna be a lot to talk about. <laughs> like. It's going to be a lot to talk about next week. Just between, like, Bellator's Grand Prix alone and whatever the outcome we get of Habib uh, versus Poirier, there's, there's going to be a lot to talk about. And God knows what MMA will throw at us, throw at us in a week of news. You, just, you never know. That's why you guys got to listen to us. We'll keep you uh, up to date, in the know, so to speak. But, uh, yeah, so next week, a lot of fire coming. We'll be talking about it, so... Make sure you tune back in next week so we can let you know everything that went down. But that was UFC Chenzen and uh, Lomachenko versus Campbell. Go back and watch those fights. That's all we got for today's episode. So we can go ahead and close with uh, parting shots and shout-outs. So um, I have two shout-outs. Um, first shout-out, man. Shout Well, overall shout-out. To the the big three league um i've gone another season with managing to miss every game but uh <laughs> i guess their season just <laughs> appreciate the one time i get clapped for um but um i guess their season just wrapped up i didn't even know this happened until i was randomly i don't even know how this must have just popped up on my timeline while we were recording but uh, shout-out to Joe Johnson. Apparently, he hit the game-winning three-pointer for the Big Three. Uh, he plays for the triplets. Uh, further making his case to make his way back into the NBA. Um, I don't know if you guys watched the Big Three, but Joe Johnson has been cooking. Uh, it's like he, he has been in the Big Three showing off, like, every game. Yeah, I don't think the issue ever was that he couldn't ball. It's just that, like the like his style of basketball was just not conductive to modern NBA. But I mean, if you're a roster, especially I feel like if you're one of those playoff teams, and you just need a rotational guy to come in and get you some buckets, I feel like this is the guy you need. Like I don't see why he wouldn't land on a roster somewhere. Right. Like, like, and you don't, you don't need him to, you don't really, you just need him to score. Like, bro, just go in and hit some threes. Just get me some, some buckets. Hey, 
Could give me a solid. The ten. Knicks are out here working on Carmelo Anthony, so I, I feel you there. Yeah, good, good, good. Joe Johnson on the roster. So uh, shout out to him. Congrats on the uh, championship win, good sir. And uh, shout out. I, why are all my shout outs to events and things that I didn't see? <laughs> shout outs to. Uh, is it Coco Gaw? Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying that. And uh, Naomi Osaka. Um, they played in... Lord knows. I don't know what tournament that Is was. Is it the U.S. Open? The Open. Yeah. I think it's the U.S. Open. Um, but it, cool to see them play because they're kind of like... When you see back in the day like a player like Serena and Venus who kind of like really changed the sport in terms of like influence and you kind of want to know like, well, what... what what kind of impact did they leave? And I think players like Naomi and Coco are kind of like the result. You see two young... Well, I think Naomi's like half black. She's like Japanese. Yeah. E- either way. Two women who I think maybe years and years ago we wouldn't have thought we'd seen... Especially Coco. Coco's like 15 out here just killing it. I think Naomi's only like 19... Um, but you kind of now see that imprint of Serena and Venus, of kind of the influence they left. But I, w- I wanted to shout this match out uh, because after the match, um, I heard it was a pretty good match. Uh, Naomi ended up winning. And afterwards, uh, uh, Naomi you know, shook her hand. It was, re- was a really good like sportsman about it. And then like after the match was over, she walked over to Coco and told her, like, no, nah, like, you need to do this interview. People need to know how you feel. Like, I, I think that she realized, like, this was kind of a moment that we just had. And she kind of, like, wanted to share the moment with her. And I thought that was really dope. Um, always down to see good sportsmanship in an age where a lot of people are... Everybody's, like, trying to be the edgy, you know, whatever, whatever. But good, good to just see a nice, genuine... What? <laughs> so, no, I went on to I was looking uh, I was looking at Twitter, and apparently, Naomi Osaka's dating YBN Corday. Yeah, I saw that too, and I was like, "What? <laughs> what was that thing?" That's yeah. The article was like YBN Corday, like commenting on Naomi's U.S. Open success. I was like, "Hold up, they're dating? Like that's, hey man." Uh, 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 not hating. It's just like. W- those are not two names I pictured together. Right, that you head. put together. Yeah, not two names that you could put together. But shout out to Corday. I like his album. It was actually pretty good. Um, but, yeah, anywho. <laughs> uh, just shout out to Coco Goff and Naomi. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed the sportsmanship. Don't know who Naomi's playing in the next round, but, uh, um, Exciting time, exciting time for tennis. The U.S. Open always gives us some pretty good matches, some good storylines. So I might be like one of the few people who pays attention to tennis. But it's a pretty – I like it, though. I only pay attention to like the big names. I'm, I'm definitely a casual. But uh, tennis is pretty entertaining. So watch the U.S. Open. Shout out to Coco Goff and uh, Naomi Osaka. Um, I don't have any shots this week. Uh, so that's, that's all I got. Um. Shout to Jay Z. Just uh, I, I don't want to go through and parse everything he said would take literally another three hours, and I don't want to do that. So just, just shots. Come on, you're better than that. 
Hopefully, maybe, yeah. probably not. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, shots at um. Well, the UFC is going back to Abu Dhabi. Um, and it, it feels important to remind people that, like, when the UFC goes to Abu Dhabi, like, they get stadiums built for them, for specifically for the one card. And those stadiums are almost always built with slave labor. Like, not, you know, Chattel slave labor, but, like, oh, we tricked a, a whole group of immigrants into coming into our country, stole their passports, and are now making them work for, like, pennies, slave labor. So, just, you keep that in mind while watching Poirier versus Nurmagomedov next week. And then being reminded that the UFC is going to return there at least once a year for, like, the next, like, 10 years or something. Um, so, yeah, shots up. I don't know who specifically to blame for that, but you know, shouts at the world for letting that happen. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to get. I, I, I want to be positive. So, like, twenty nineteen, uh, the twenty nineteen amateur boxing championships are next week. So, shouts to everybody who's competing in, in those. Um, I don't know who's on the U.S. team to be honest with you. Um, one name that I saw pop up on the boxing um, Reddit, Alexander Kizniak of the Ukraine. He seems to be the dude to watch. Um, one, uh, one like most outstanding boxer at um, an ABA tournament earlier this year. Um, you know we're getting close to the 2020 Olympic Games. They're less than a year away now. Um, they're gonna be in August, so. If you're a boxing fan or a wrestling fan or an MMA fan who's looking for the next, you know, wrestling-based um, prospect, or you know, a TKD fan or um, what's the other one? judo fan, and there's gonna be karate next year, so like you know, it's gonna be interesting times. So uh, be on the lookout for that next week. Um, I have another shout out. It was like positive. I was like, oh, that's really cool. And now it's gone. I don't know. Go outside, everybody. It'll improve your brain. Go outside before a fall gets here. It's coming. <laughs> fall can be restorative, too. Get you some nice hot chocolate. Go for a walk in the park. Watch the leaves change. Try not to slip on them because they are actually quite slippery. Um, I don't know. Shout out to the Zhang Gang. Zhang Gang, shout outs. Oh, and shout outs to the protesters in Hong Kong since we just got done with Shenzhen, which is literally less than 25 miles away. So, yeah, so somewhere down the street from that car. There, uh, th- there is some police incited rioting going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if you're in Hong Kong, be safe, stay strong. Fighting a good fight. Exactly. There you go. Well, that's all we got for today's episode. So, as always, give us a listen SoundCloud, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. Send questions to Dodo Talk Podcast at yahoo.com. Follow me on Twitter and Twitch at Serial Sensei uh, and buy my book, 
the Allbot Chronicles for the very cheap price of 99 cents or 8.99 if you want a physical copy. That is all we got for today's episode. Well, as always, anytime people are being punched and or kicked in the face, we will be there to talk about it. So until next time, we will catch you guys later. Gang gang, gang gang, gang gang. Champ is here. There we go. That's going to be the send out. <laughs> Definitely dropping that in the outro. Bye, guys. The champ is here. Hey, this is my this shit right here. The champ is here. This shit is crazy. crazy. The, the is evil here. genius. The champ is here. No. Yeah, 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 y